0: The Earth has closed.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 128 of the Age of Darkness podcast. As usual, don't forget to like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud. Check us out on all the other uh, social medias. We should be on most of them. You can contact us at ageofdarknesspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you like what we're doing and you want to get a shirt, keep supporting us. Check us out on Big Cartel. In this episode, Darren, what do you have for us in the strategy field?
2: Um, We are starting with the first of our big legion depth studies, isn't it? From one of the bay or case studies for one of the tonight? Um, So this is something we're hoping to do fairly regularly over the next couple of months um, and get some people who play these legions quite regularly on to talk about what been the changes in version two. Are they positive changes? Have the legions lost something? A bit similar to what we did with Miles and yourself when we talked about our own legions and our first impressions, but these legion depths are we're also going to be going into a lot of detail with someone who actually knows that legion extremely well. And we're starting off with the 13th, the old Marines, the poster boys for 40K, um, but slightly dodgy independent secessionists in 30K. And for help for that, we've got Zach coming on, a long-term, long-lasting friend of the show.
1: After that, in Tales of Heresy, we will be continuing our discussion of the glorious 13th Legion, so say some people, um, and talking about uh, a primary book. As uh, so We just finished a major series with Old Earth, and we're about to start another major series with um, w- with Wolfsbane, but uh, we're going to take a little palate cleanser, a little break, and we will be doing the Ultramarines Primark, the Gulliman Primark book, uh, Gulliman. What is it? Sword of Ultramar, Lord of Ultramar.
2: Yeah, something like that. It, and it's not what you expect either, is it? Not, not let's, at all. Let's be honest. I mean, let you, you and I are very much died-in-the-wall traitor players, aren't we?
0: Yes. And this, this we novella, fight for
2: freedom. We fight for freedom and re- re- right for free speech. Um, but. It, it's better than we expected, isn't it? There's some bits on there that we were kind of took us a little bit aback, actually, on how good it was. But we'll talk about that yeah. in more depth.
1: It's a really, is- really interesting book and definitely worth a read. Uh, it, it's uh, it, David Annandale, usually he does an exceptional job with these. So very excited. And uh, a quick, very important uh, shout out before we get going with the show on January 28th and 29th. 2023. So this coming January up here in beautiful Montreal, which will be frozen solid by then. Um, I'm not really selling it. Um, uh, Miles will be uh, here to teach a uh, painting class. It will be on uh, army painting. Uh, it'll be a two day course. Uh, it's uh, it'll really get into one of the great things about miles is teaching is he really has a very individual approach in that uh, if you've ever taken a class with him before, he spends a lot of time with you individually to explain certain concepts it's not like a it's not like a lecture so um if you want to learn to paint more good uh you will come to this class in montreal in january it'll be lovely it's at the Abyss game store uh which uh has a full bar and full restaurant it's a wonderful venue and of course i'll be there and uh uh so come join us it'll be a lot and and don't forget montreal is very close Uh, it's it's a major transportation hub it's a very cheap flight from the u.s we are about an hour from the u.s border if you want to drive up and uh maybe we can get some games in so um so check it out if you're interested in uh improving your painting so i guess before another thing before we go into the show there's been some 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 huge news
2: oh we've had quite a lot haven't we quite a For lot eh? couple of weeks we, we've had quite a lot where, where should we start should we start let's try and keep it in in sequence should we talk about the empress children terminator crate let's do it the it, it have you seen this sculpt? Yeah, it's spectacular. Have you seen the glorious nature of this sculpt? I mean, <laughs> let, let's, let's be honest here. Empress children, they're dodgy as a legion. You know, we, there's no getting around that, but the sculpts they have, for the... the, the um, they're resplendent Palatine as they blades. should be. Yeah, Palatine's blade, Phoenix guards, and this Praetor is gorgeous. It's Tartarus uh, armor. I love the combi Volkite. I love how they've done the combi Volkite on that. It's... Different to what we were imagined the Commie volkite to be, was certainly for me. But it's the details on the armor, the sculpts, the sword is ever so slightly slaneshi. Is it's similar to the lear blade if you look on the Fulgrim sculpt. Mm. And the level of detail. Now I have seen a few people, and I'm not sure if Miles was here, um, Miles clearly still isn't here, everyone. Um I've seen a lot of people discuss the fact that you could, with a few modifications, turn this into a really nice Blood Angels sculpt as well. But I love the helm, how the helm is like an eagle's head or certainly a raptor's head. What do you think of it? What what do you reckon about this sculpt? I think it's
1: spectacular. It's really, really, really good looking sculpt. It's funny because don't they already have
2: a a Legion Praetor? They've got the power armor version because it's the one with the optional head with a sonic screamer.
1: Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I guess two is not too many.
2: No, well, they do, they're all, every Legion's getting one in Terminator plate and one in Power Armor, aren't they?
1: Yeah. No, I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a gorgeous model.
2: Yeah. It's good. It's, it's nice. It, and I think there's a lot of conversion possibility in that for other Legions as well. But we haven't finished. So, we've also seen the new plastic Land Raider as well. (laughs) Oh, how old school can you get? Finally. And it makes two different versions. So we've finally got a Proteus with an assault ramp. You know, how many, how long we've we been waiting for that one? How old school, 90s, late 80s road trade looking can you get? And then we've got the Explorator as well. So it doesn't have the assault ramp on the front, but you do get all the Audrey web in there. So I'm looking forward to this kit. It's so good. What do you reckon? I mean... I'm just so delighted
1: that they're putting get. out the kits in plastic. I did not expect yeah. this when we knew that a new edition was coming. I had no idea they were actually going to support it the way that they're supporting it with actually plastic kits. I mean, this has been kind of a demand, a demand, a request in the community for been a years, demand. for like a decade no, no. now. We need at least plastic, like basic things in plastic. They came out with the uh, the Marines, which was great, and and um, uh, Terminators and all that stuff. That was fantastic, but the vehicles was the real demand, like the the uh heresy uh, rhinos and heresy land raiders and especially the plastic spartan which was of course part of the launch because it was one of those major requests so how can you not be happy about this
2: and i think the other thing we need to bear in mind as well is as of this weekend when we're recording the only plastic kit that is now not released is this land raider so we're up to date with plastic releases other than the land raider so What's going to be coming in the future? I really hope we're gonna start getting some plastic more plastic infantry. That that's what I'm hoping for. We really need
1: we, we more need mark, mark two infantry.
2: But if nothing else, we need the spoiler squads. Yeah. We need assault squads and plastic, you know. I'm I'm really hoping we're gonna be seeing those over the next couple of months. But we still haven't finished with the news, have we? We're still keeping going. But wait, there's uh, more. Yeah. Um aeronautica imperialis we've had the heresy rules for them drop now it's not a massive rules change have you played aeronautica i have not but
1: i have some of the kits um i have some thunderbolts that i use uh, as um markers and for different reasons for adeptus titanicus because they're exactly the scale because epic is coming i'm convinced of that um and they're already they're already creating a this is my conspiracy theory and um i i'm stick by it they're creating a model line for epic without us noticing of course, we know yeah. this, but well,
2: so when they you're...
1: drop Epic, they'll all they're already be like a big parts of the model line already in production. Yeah,
2: Epic I mean is AI fun. is a good little game. AI, I've, I've played a few. Games, I've heard
1: nothing but, but good things. I've heard it's all it's it's fun. It's fast. It's like strategic.
2: Yeah, and it's just nice to have these heresy rules. And it's quite nice because there's a little throwaway line in there saying that you can also play as Great Crusade against the Orc lists or the Elder lists. Oh, well. that's
1: a nice touch.
2: Yeah, it, it's thrown away. It's, it's dotted away. I have, I'll see if I can take a picture and put it up on the um, on the, uh, Facebook site. But yeah, there's, it's just saying that you can play great crusade games against these lists as well. It's just like, that's cool. That's nice. 30-minute game, 125-point 100 point game, you can get done in 30 minutes. It's a beer and pretzels and lots of fun. And who doesn't like playing with little planes at the end of the day? If if anybody
1: doesn't take those little planes and kind of like flies them around in front of their head, they're liars. If they say they're not dead. doing that, they're lying.
2: Yeah, you're dead inside. Or we? they're let's dead inside. Let's keep going yeah. with talking about kits because we've also had some book news as well. But let's keep going with the kits first, and then we'll come back to books and novels. Um, we've had the Death Guard upgrade kits shown off from Mark Six. I quite like those helmets. I do always like little pinkel helm with the um the spikes oh and, and the plus reprievers. they'll be plastic
1: so they won't break off all the time
2: no they are resin oh the resin because oh, okay. I had breaks, um I had resin. a death guard
1: army for 40k before I got into heresy well I still have it it's just in a box but I got all the death guard uh conversion kits from Vrax and those like pickle halves you can't put them into a foam case without them breaking off
2: yeah you try gluing them and... back and
1: they're never gonna stay
2: yeah they do look I, I like them they're, they're very Death guard like, yeah, because you've got the bonding studs, the spike on the helm, they, they and they just look heavy helms, but mm. they're not too 40k death guard like, which I quite like. Um, we're going to move on past the space wolf helmets, we're not talking about those, they're they not talking about space, wolf. <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking about those, no, we're moving on. Um, there was also a small Nova reveal, wasn't there? The witch. Yeah, the, the little Nova reveal. They, they, they showed off a single model at Nova.
1: Oh! I heard that there was a model that was revealed.
0: Yeah. It was, it was, a was, it, was
2: it any good? Do you have an opinion about it? Do I, I have an opinion on it. Now, long-term listeners of the show will know that I appreciate all the Primark sculpts. Um, I've chatted to Sam Egan, the sculptor, quite a few times, and the other sculptors have also done the, like, Faris and so on. I will not say a bad word about any of the sculpts. But, like I said, long-term listeners of the show will also know that the Horus sculpt, it's good, but I don't particularly like it. I, I appreciate the work that's got into it. It's amazing. But for me, it never really captured Horus the way I imagined it. Nova has revealed the Horus Ascendant sculpt, and this, to me, is Horus. This is him on the battlefield. This is Horus about to carve the Emperor up into small chunks. Um, I'm less keen on the base, with all the skeletons on the base and the power arm on the base. I'm less keen on that, but the actual sculpt itself. It's how they've taken the original Primarch sculpt and just put Small changes on it. So it's slightly spikier. The lunar wolf symbology has been mostly removed from it. It's got a few more skulls attached to it. You got spikes along the top of the um carapace of the armor. It the pose just sums up Horus. It's just amazing. I mean it's menacing. The, he...
1: It's it's aggressive. Um, it still has a bit of that nobility, though, of the old Horus, yeah. but it's just because this is post Moloch Horus. I mean, he's he's gained all the levels. It's just, it's such a perfect encapsulation of the power of the War Master.
2: Yeah. You can see how this is the person who has led half the Imperium to war, has effectively won the war up to the Siege of Terror, in essence. And will soon and...
1: cripple the most powerful being in the
2: galaxy. Yeah. I mean, it's just all the little details, like you look at the sculpt, you've still got the Lunar Wolves on the chest plates, for instance, but you've got everywhere else the Eyes of Terror. The armor eyes just got those little additional spikes onto it. I mean, Miles would talk about the paint job in a lot more detail, but even the black has got that slight green tint to it to link it into the Sons of Horus. As It's amazing. I will buy this one. I have, don't have the current Horus sculpts, I will be buying this one to fit in, and it helps. You know, Horace Ascended is reasonably good on the tabletop.
1: Yeah, I am curious though. Um, they did do, they did do a side by side, a comparison of the size of Horace. He does look a little bit bigger. I didn't think he got bigger after Malik.
2: <laughs> it's an odd one. No, I don't think he gets bigger. But the way they describe him is, he seems larger. It's his presence, isn't it? It's, it's, The the Black Library authors have talked about this quite a lot, that all the Primarchs have the ability to switch on this aura around them, and Mm. Horus basically loses control over his. So I think the way they've done it is quite clever. So it may be slightly larger, but that could represent that aura he has around him. But if you put that model on the tabletop, people's eyes are going to be drawn towards it, aren't they?
1: As they should. It's the War Master.
2: It's the War Master.
1: Get, Get on your knees now moving on
2: beyond that we know we've got the new um libra imperium coming up wait
1: um uh, just real quick on on the question of a horse ascended they did say that there was going to be uh ascended models of all the primarchs right or not ascended but um uh, uh like new versions like a version. At... is yeah, that an indication that... that we'll eventually be moving to sort of a early war late war or perhaps um, uh, well, to, to not
2: use flames of war technology uh, technology <laughs> terminology, um, it's interesting because you and I have talked about this before, and it certainly seems that version two is certainly edging more towards mid-war onwards. Yeah, version one seems to be early to mid, but it we still uses the be...
1: crusade army list. So t- yes, uh, absolutely. So I, I was I always thought we'd have crusade period, age of darkest period, siege of Terror period.
2: Yeah, and I think the way it's written is it's much more pushing the narrative towards the latter half of the war the last yeah. seven years of the war as opposed to the first part um, but it doesn't mean you can't play in any any period I think that's an important thing to recognise remember it is a sandbox so you can play at any period but it's just the way they talk about things in some of the units when, which are in place like Forest Ascended for example going back to what you said about the models um, we've talked about this in my gaming group as well and we reckon the cult marks so you know Magnus, Z- uh, Magnus Mortarian, and so on. We'll probably use the plastic sculpts because we know there's also Angron on the way, and we chances are you're going to get a full bloom at some point. But that probably means we're going to see an ascended Lorgar, which we know there are rules for in the book. There's Lorgar ascended. We've always had that, even in version one. Um, That's true. I'd quite like to see an updated late war Perturabo. We we talked about what he's like. From in the novel Slaves to Darkness, when he punches Angon to the floor and forces him to the Siege of Terror. Wouldn't you like to see an up armored, more like obliterator like pertrabe sculpt?
1: I mean, who who wouldn't?
2: But you could also do something for loyalists. So, for example, you could have Dawn without giving away too many spoilers of Saturnine, Dawn with a sword and shield on the Saturnine wall.
1: Yeah, I could That'd see a, a less glorious i don't want to say less glorious but very different more haunted sanguinius because he's always gonna be glorious yep. right but after the uh, after imperium secundus and when he gets to the siege of terror he's he's kind of different
2: terrorist era Conrad curse on ultramar
1: oh just so beaten you- up mangled down curse who's just a,
2: a bag th- of melt bombs
1: <laughs> oh yeah just a, just a christmas <laughs> like santa claus but full of melt bombs yeah um yeah there's so much that yeah i I think all the primarchs would benefit from a second sculpt so you'd have like an early era where they're all look even angron still has certain ability to it right it's certain the the primarchs still look like they're crusade selves and then all of them should have a second sculpt which i think was the plan anyway i think they mentioned that um yeah from from the late war era where they're you know this is seven years later and they're all kind of different yeah no one's the same
2: Know what is to say. Well, They're
1: except for acting. Ferris, he's he's you know he, he doesn't get he doesn't get a seventy he doesn't get another version.
2: No, or so Ferris. it means be they do refer a Ferris sculpt, not it? But you know, we'll, we we we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. But like we said, we've got this new lever Imperium book coming, and they revealed a new model from that, which took everyone by surprise. Which is an assassin model. So we are yeah. going to get official rules for assassins, and we are going to get the Clade Venus which is the information assassins. And we, we know these from the book Nemesis. Mm-hmm. So these ones who kind of hack into new spheres or new, new spheres and data ports and so on. Um, so it's going to be interesting how these all interact in game. So we know we're going to have things like Evisor, Cladius, Colexus, Vindicare, etc. cetera. So it's nice we're going to get some of these more 30K unique assassins as well. So and the models really nice.
1: It's really interesting. Uh, the only one there's also another one which the, the um, which is the poison one. Do, do you do you remember in in Nemesis? Oh,
2: yeah, the there's the there's another type too, which
1: I wouldn't be surprised we would see. It'd be really cool. Perhaps have like a bunch of poison weapons, really effective against uh, against you know non stardes. Well, probably effective against stardes anyway. Yeah, but it's nice.
2: It's nice we getting those rules, uh, those models yeah. turning up. Because they have confirmed now that this Libra Imperium is just going to be loyalist armies, which is interesting because when they first put it out, it was described more as neutral forces. So they've clearly had a bit of a change. So we're clearly going to yeah. get this Libra Imperium. And then if we want to infer, we're going to get something like Libra Chaotica or Libra Warmaster, something like oh, Do you like think that.
1: They'll, they, they'll have rules for the Nemesis? Potentially. That'd be cool. Like I'm down. So, with that. But we,
2: but we do know in Libra Imperium*, we're going to be getting Talons of the Emperor. Yep. So all those Custodius players, you get to be very excited. Um, oh,
1: unless coming... uh, 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 unless they like rebalance them, and then we have to we have to bring out the uh, world's smallest violin again.
2: Yeah, oh, you may get this book, and then another one about three months time, just to rebalance. Um But it's also <laughs> going to have Solar Auxilia. In there as well. So the sisters, sisters of silence. It'll be interesting what they have in that because they we have noticed in version two cutting back on units that don't have models, and the sisters of silence range is lacking a lot of models for units they had previously. So I'm I'm quite intrigued what how the sisters armies go or the sisters units are going to look like. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a few additional custodies units from the plastic line coming over. Um, but it's nice we're going to get Solar Ox in there, because I would imagine if we do get a Libra, let's call it Libra-Cartica for, for ease, that Solar Oxelia list will probably get reprinted in that to represent the Solar Oxelia fighting for the War Master. But yeah, it's looking certainly an interesting book. Libra Mechanicum, I know, has come down with a, a few challenges where people are unhappy with certain things. So it'll be interesting what Libra and Imperium's like. We've had a few hints about rules from the custodians they get this nemesis rule so they get bonuses to their weapon skill attacks and oh no sorry they get bonuses to their attacks charge rolls, and they never need to roll higher than a four plus to score a hit uh, unless it's a primark for certain more dangerous units mm-hmm. so things like Primarchs, dreadnoughts units with higher weapon skill or ballistic skill so it looks like they're leaning custodies more to fighting against your enemy elite forces rather than
1: your general yeah. dross.
2: Yeah, it's gonna be uh, interesting well, how as they, they do should it. be, they
1: shouldn't be deployed to like fight militia. Although I've had them deployed to fight my militia several times, as you know. Yes,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, Mark Mark will be happy, he's gonna get his custodies. So that's all kind of the rules material coming out, and I think the Libra. Uh, Imperium's due in October is the last on that roadmap we were looking at. But we're still going with news. There has been a lot. And the final bit we got was the announcement about the final siege of terror. Now, we can't now talk about this as a final siege of terror book, because what they have confirmed is the final story, uh, which is now being referred to as the end of death, is going to be more than one volume. Now, we don't know how many volumes. At no point do they actually say there's going to be two volumes or three volumes, but they have certainly confirmed that it will be more than one. Now, JP, you've always had that conspiracy theory, haven't you, that it was going to finish with a trilogy, the same as the series opener.
1: Yeah, I always figured that uh, they were going to go backwards. Everybody knows Dan Abnett's writing the last one. That's already been announced, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's all confirmed. It's on the details about the end of
1: death. And number two would be Graham McNeil uh because they the, the start up uh, it was it was dan abbott grant mcneil and then uh ben counter i don't think ben counter is gonna be writing any of these Um uh, not that he was a bad author but he wasn't doing what was expected uh for this particular type of series but i always thought they would like they, they would go down that direction as well that would make it nice and uh how to put it it would make it symmetrical, uh, it make, I make think it symmetrical.
2: the article does suggest though that dan Abnett is the author behind the entire final story so whether he's writing yeah. all the parts it's interesting the book cover is interesting with the emperor of the golden throne people uh, yeah people
1: this, really complained about how big the emperor is how he's, he's like gigantic forgetting that the emperor you know he looks different depending on who's looking at him
2: yeah I think one of my favorite comments of the artwork is someone commented about the sisters of silence nearby going but he's only five for six <laughs> <laughs> what I do, what I do like is the image of Malcador next to him, because yep. the Emperor looks massive, and then you've got Malcador, but then you've got all the Custodies ringed around the Golden Throne, and yeah, it, it's an amazing piece of artwork. Um, those of you who have read Echoes of Eternity, there's no spoilers, but some of the scenes you have in that you can now imagine a little bit easier with this piece of artwork as well. So. There we go. I, I think that is all the news we're up to. There's, there's been a lot. There's, there is a. It's lot incredible. Coming. There's been
1: more. There's been more news in the past month than, than I think between 2018 and 2000, the end of 2021.
2: Yeah, and they said there's more still coming. The Herity Thursday articles are still continuing. Well, that gives me increased hope. We're going to get some plastic infantry shown off soon. Um, but there's also these other things, you know. We're still waiting for the warp cults militia list and the demons list to be released as well. Maybe that's been changed slightly. Maybe that's now going to a Libra Chaotica. Maybe that's why we haven't had those PDFs. They've they've changed Libra Imperium and Libra Chaotica. We don't know. At the end of the day, we don't know. But what we can say is the stuff we're getting is great, it's very enjoyable yes there's been some challenges around some of the rules and interactions between the rules armagers i know have raised quite a few problems in terms of rules but it's nothing you can't solve with your gaming group and talking to people exactly. we are still riding the crest of the wave Let, let's be aware of that we are still in a very very good position
1: and with that incredibly optimistic attitude let's go talk about some ultramarines
2: Welcome to the Strategium. So, as we said in the intro, what we're going to be looking at today is the 13th Legion, the Ultramarines, uh, the Fantasy Romans. I prepared for this last night. I watched a bit of Gladiator. um, And we're fortunate enough to be joined by a devout Ultramarines fan, because let's face it, no one else on this podcast is, uh, Zach. Hello, Zach.
0: (laughs) Hi, how are you?
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. So, tell us about your background with the Ultramarines.
0: Oh, geez. Um... I've been playing Ultramarines in one shape or form since uh, second edition 30, 40k. So um, it's the only team, the only army I've ever played. Uh, and it's just continued on through Horus Heresy. I have no desire to play anything else.
2: See, I, I admire that. Sticking with one Legion one Force. So, you know, not many people do that. You're, you're exceptional, Zach, in many ways. So how are we going to approach this? I think we're going to start off with just talking about the standard kind of Legion rules, uh, warlord traits, war gear, etc. And then we'll move on to the units. Uh, Shall we say Gilliman for last? Because we always like to kind of talk about the Primark as the, the high point of the army. Is that all right for you?
0: Yeah, that's fine. Um, are are as a legion, the way they're kind of set up is better as a, um, a more of a, I guess the sum of their, their parts as opposed to an individual legion. Um, Cause they have different really cool rules, like uh, strength of wisdom, which is similar to what they had in first edition um, where you have a shooting attack. And then you can, if you have another unit within um, six inches of that, they can benefit from the, the, shooting attack of the other of that original uh unit that shot at somebody so you can just kind of stack in a way um or have two units that are are side by side or i guess beyond that um can actually work together and get bonuses for shooting attacks at the same enemies
2: i was gonna ask is that only for shooting is that also in assault as well
0: um no so that's the, the rule actually just states that when the roll need hit for a shooting attack, add plus one to the roll if the enemy was targeted by another unit um, that was within or within six inches of that, that second unit. So the Ultramines also have an advanced reaction called unity of purpose, where if they're being shot at by an opposing unit, the opposing unit and a secondary unit can also shoot back at that unit firing at them
2: that's quite powerful is there yeah, a, a range restriction on i was going to say is there a range restriction on that so um, do they have to be within that six inches of each other or that can it be any unit on the table that can join in that
0: shooting reaction it doesn't show that in here wow. um, So it's full range jesus it's yes it just specifically says there's a the only thing it has is for template weapons um Template weapons may only be used as part of the unity of purpose reaction if the target unit is within eight inches and they'll use the wall of death.
2: Yes, yeah, so that's, that's just that's standard proviso on most shooting reactions, isn't it? But that's really powerful.
0: Yeah. So having yeah, two once, units
2: return fire and one doesn't have to, one could be the opposite side of the table.
0: Yeah. Once the uh, active player has made, or once the active player has resolved all to hit, to wound, and armor save rolls are made, but before any damage mitigation rolls are made or casualties removed, the reactive player may choose to expend one of the reactions for that phase to have both the unit targeted by the shooting attack and one other unit composed entirely of models with the Ultramarine... or Legion of the Starry's Ultramarine Special Rule make a shooting attack, targeting the unit that triggered this reaction and following all the usual rules for shooting attacks. Wow. Um, so that's it.
2: So there's no, there's no restrictions on line of sight on that as well, so you could have... Um... Some...
0: No, it's it, well, there is any unit makes a shooting attack as part of the unit of purpose, may not make any attacks indirectly without oh, of okay. so, so you, no you barrage, can't have a boss,
2: or... yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, but
2: that's still but that's really it. strong. I mean, so you could have your heavy support squad at the back really supporting a, a frontline assault squad before they go into
0: um, correct assault range
2: yeah. or, yeah,
0: and my my particular play style, which I've, I've done since heresy the beginning of heresy 1.0 is i love having a five-man late last cannon squad sitting over uh watching over everything so i'm dying to get a game in where i can use that and last cannons have
2: had a slight buff as well haven't made this new edition so they're, they're even oh, yes. better yes yeah.
0: no, no one wants to
2: shoot at though well no vehicle wants to shoot at those now to clear them off do they let's face it
0: no well you need to get rid of them you know, regardless. But yeah, now that they have, now that cans have uh, Sunder, um, mm. that makes it very, very useful indeed.
2: So we're already seeing, aren't we, just with the Legion of rule and your reaction, that we're talking about a very interlocking force, aren't we? One that kind of works alongside other units quite well.
0: Yes. Yeah. A little bit of, alterings are going to take some pre, some some thought ahead of time of what you want to do and how you want to do it because of how the units work together, um, mm-hmm. even more so than what it did last edition. Because last edition, you could you got the the bonuses for shooting where you could essentially use one unit, typically you know a, a rhino or a tank, to paint your target, and then other units could could attack the, that same target for bonuses to hit. Now the units that get that benefit have to be within six inches of the initial unit that and initial unit that shot at them. So you have to kind of pre-plan a little bit better for taking things out. But that also means then you need to think ahead in your, your list building to pair up units for deployment.
2: So there has to be what you're saying, some theoretical and practical planning.
0: Yes, that's exactly it. Yes. It's a good way of putting it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it all fits in. And that's one of the things I think I've really enjoyed about this new edition is you have to put a lot more planning into your army. Now there's, there's a lot more interlocking rules between units than there was previously, which I'm, I actually really enjoy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept or mechanic for, for playing, um, but it's, it's also helpful for making sure that you're uh, – especially for me in list building, um, to to make sure that I have thought ahead as far as what units are going to be best to work together to help each other out. That's excellent. So do the Warlord traits kind of build on that?
2: Because what, from what we've seen in the other legions, we looked at the Warlord traits, the Warlord traits are always very thematic around the legion. Do the trains carry on with that idea?
0: Not as much as is like with the same um, kind of helping out kind of things. Um, the burden of kings, which is the loyalist trait, um, if your warlord takes uh, takes a, a wound, whether saved or unsaved, um, he suddenly gains it will not die and fearless until the end of the warlord's contrar- warlord controlling player's next turn. Um, in addition, he gets another. He gets to make another. Uh, uh reaction in each of the opposing players turns
2: okay that's not bad though is it because fearless does confer to the unit he's with yes so you know so if someone's trying oh, a, a real favorite technique of a remote is using snipers isn't it to pick out characters mm-hmm. so if he does take a, a round from the sniper shot you're then fearless which means that unit can't be pinned either Right. So no, and in fact, you got it will not die. I means you could even get that win back at the end of it as well if he's still alive. Yeah. It's not it's bad, a, is it? But
0: no, it's a four up, so that makes it that makes it really fun.
2: Yeah, that's that's really good. It's not it's unusual as well because it's a very personal trait for that character, isn't it? It's not having an army-wide effect.
0: No, no, it's yeah, it's it's nice because it's not typically what I think of for ultra present. Sometimes when I look at other armies and the, the traits that they have or some of the rules that they get, they have a lot, things are a lot more um, beneficial to characters. It's really nice to have this where they don't feel kind of left out of that thing. They can still have uh, a really nice, strong, uh, badass in the middle of leading of the leading the army.
2: So, is that loyalist only, that? Warlord?
0: That one is the loyalist only, yeah. Oh, okay. um, so, they also have Aegis of, Wis- Aegis of Wisdom, which is their generic Loyalist or traitor version, and essentially, if you if any character can draw or any unit of ultra range can draw line of sight to the warlord with this special trait or with this warlord trait, when called upon to regroup, they use that warlord's leadership characteristic, and if successful, any unit may make shooting attacks and declare charges as normal, ignoring the normal restrictions for units having regrouped.
1: That's excellent, considering, um, you know, like. That leadership is so much lower in this edition.
0: Yeah. That's really good. In addition, the warlord who has the trait can make an additional reaction during the opposing player's shooting phase, as long as the the warlord hasn't been room for as a casualty. So that that reaction that we just talked about, where if someone is shot at, they can react and their one of the other team members can shoot at that same squad. They can pull that off more more easily because they have extra shooting phase reactions.
2: Yeah, that, that's really good. It's a very similar ability for Delegators, isn't it? But it's having it baked in all the time because Delegators is a once per game. Having this is switched on all the time. And especially for small point games, like 1,000 or 1,500 or even 2,000, most of the time you're probably going to have line of sight to that warlord as well, which means you're going to have units staying in the fight for a lot longer, aren't
0: you? Yeah, they're going to be harder to... to get rid of or harder to run off because they can regroup easier yes
2: it, it i like that one i think in many ways i prefer that to the first one because it, it feels more ultramarines to me it feels like that the the ultramarines warlord is the epitome of his legion and everyone looks to him for correct kind of symbolizing what the what the legion stands for so i think that neutral trait works really well but the fact that trades legions can take that as well that's interesting now, the way you said that does sound like there is a traitor altering trait as well.
0: There is. It's pride's dark yes. pride's <laughs> dark power. So with this, <laughs> with this one, um, at the start of any phase in either player's turn, you can choose to use your leadership characteristic in place of your toughness when resolving any two wound rolls made against make against it until the end of that phase.
2: Say so, that again.
0: <laughs> A warlord with this warlord trait at the start of any one phase in either player's turn may choose to use his leadership characteristic in place of his toughness when resolving <laughs> any two wound rolls made against it until the end of that phase. Thus, a what? warlord with leadership 10 may, use, may choose to activate this trait in, in the opposing player's uh, shooting phase and treat your toughness as though it were 10 to the end of the phase.
2: Or he can tank close combat attacks by
0: a knight or a leviathan yes. or power oh, that Holy is amazing shit. Yep. in addition you make make an additional reaction during the opposing player's assault phase rule so that's kind of what he's what he's there he's there to tank a whole bunch of hits to all time. the hits yeah if he can yeah what
1: the hell is gonna go through that like strength 10 probably um two plus save
2: that's that's amazing. I really like the fact they have a trait trait like because this is something I know we've talked about on the podcast before Henry JP about a uh, a more dodgy form of the old Marines one that takes their that ethos much further so I'm, I'm really glad but that is an amazing trait for, a, Yo, for a you he go to the with
1: a knight easily
2: yeah, yeah knights aren't all that it's brutal attacks on um, dreadnought weapons that that's that's where the fear is now yeah I, I like that. I really like so Zach as a long-term ultimate player, how do you feel about having a trait of traits included?
0: I, I that seems weird to me. I, I think this is a misprint.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what about no? Um, um, you know, there, there could be people that like they're wavering a little bit, uh, considering that you know there's two sides to every
0: issue and and and, and maybe the War Master makes some good points. There could I mean the, the ultimates were known at, in the Fluff to sending out for sending out uh, units or, or chapters to work with other legions close at hand to learn the tactics that, they, that those other legions use. So, this could actually be one of those situations where someone was, you know, one of those particular legions was hand in hand working side by side with uh, a trader legion for ages. And then, when all this happened, when all this transpired, they just stuck around because that's what they had. What they had already known. They'd already been corrupted just from their proximity. To you mean, uh,
1: some some more uh, more esoteric chapters, like maybe the twenty second.
0: No, I don't think the twenty second necessarily. But we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> I mean, I could see it. I could see it. I could see some of the, the things there. But we'll 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 discuss that a little bit more uh, later. But I don't think necessarily twenty second. It could be any anybody really. In this situation, but yeah, because there is there
2: is a dark element to the old marines, isn't there? When you look at their empire building, you can see how that could go step too far. For instance, Imperium Secundus is a good example. But yeah, it's interesting. So, do you get um, war gear? Do you have any legion specific war gear?
0: Well, we the the best part of our our war gear um, is the. I mean, we have we have the. Mantles of Ultramar, which kind of aren't as fancy as they were last time. Um, but the big thing that we've had is the Legatine Axe, which anyone who's ever played against uh, Suzerain will know them quite well. Uh, but they've changed a little bit since since then. So um, the Legatine Axe is a close a combat weapon. It's strength of user, so strength four. Uh, AP2 and melee, which doesn't sound super interesting. Like like last edition, if you rolled a two-hit roll of a six, it would auto-wound. Now it doesn't necessarily have that that uh, ability. But it's still it's still an AP two weapon that strikes at initiative.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, against most units on a four against most Astartes units on a four plus, they don't get a save, do they? Unless they've got in the bucket mm-hmm. roll, So and and it's striking initiative. Like you say, a lot of those AP two weapons are generally either getting AP two because of a breaching rule, in which case it's not reliable, right? Or they're striking at a lower initiative. So that does give you quite a lot of bonuses, doesn't it? Quite a lot of advantages in a straight up fight.
0: Yeah, yeah. Every every strike, every hit is going to be uh, problematic for for your opponent. Yes. Because typically, it doesn't matter if they're they're Terminators or if they're regular Marine armor. That's that's potential for for taking people out as you can get enough of them.
2: Well, and you also can't do the classic of tanking hits on sergeants.
0: No, I mean typically, yeah, you won't. You wouldn't want to do that, yeah. No,
2: no. So you said the mantles of Ultima changed. How have they changed from version two?
0: Um, so it's. Last time they they gave uh, uh if I remember it, they gave I thought they gave like a feeling a little pain towards the end there, but just like a, a low level. Now they it's a two-up armor save and grants battle hardened. Um, and you you were not affected by blind. So it doesn't really feel typically the person you're gonna put on it already has a two a two up armor anyway. So it doesn't feel so 25 points for battle hardened and uh, immunity to Blind um, just doesn't feel like it's necessarily worth it to me. So I that's, could, my, yeah, that's it's my quite personal p- opinion.
2: Battle Hardened is very good, though. Um, yeah. So so obviously with Sun of Horus, which are my key legion, not being able to be instant death by Power Fists in a turn of combat is very strong. And giving that bit of extra help against those weapons you may not be getting to save but on elite units like veteran units which have two wounds or terminator units not being killed instantly by those kind of weapons does make a difference
0: yeah that's.
2: i do say where you're coming from
0: yeah there's a
2: lot of points for that ability
0: yeah that's that's my that's my opinion but it's it's nice it doesn't feel i i as I'm looking at it right now, it doesn't feel as good as what it was last time, but still definitely useful. But I don't know about for, for 25 points for all that. I'm still on the I'm still on the fence now. I don't know if I'm yeah. gonna gonna go with that or not. It's it's a lot of points to put in for for that, which may or may not come in handy. I don't know. And, say.
2: and blind isn't that
0: common a trait,
2: is it? I mean it's mostly mechanical weapons which have blinds. So if you don't have and,
0: often... and forge breaker. So, yeah, it's not a very common
2: weapon,
0: is it? <laughs> yeah, you're not going to run into Forge Breaker all that often. You can, a, can as break a... all your forges, all of them. It, it, This is true. That's why you don't you don't take a Forge Lord against them. He just gets upset. Yeah. Chassis. That's a... <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> But, but... It's just those two pieces of war gear you get then?
0: No, no. We also have a, the uh, Argyrum patterns boarding shield. So, the big thick boarding shields that the uh suzerain carry that's what the they yeah. have um although other characters can can take them for uh independent characters can take them for 15 points so essentially what it does is it gives you a five up and vulnerable saves against shooting attacks um and that increases to a four up if when engaged in in assault
2: wow so it's a better version for a boarding shield does this still give you the heavy trait
0: no, well, you can't use any weapons that are two-handed, but that's that's typically it.
2: Um, so, because normally, when a character buys a boarding shield, it also grants them a heavy trade, but if that Aegis shield or Aegis shield doesn't, that still means you can sweep and advance much more easily and run a lot more easily as well. So, not only getting a better save in close combat, you've got a lot more chance to sweep and advance and run. Wow. So, so you're su- and both those pieces of equipment on the Suzerain. So your Suzerain are really geared up, aren't they?
0: Oh, have they ever. And there's another there's another cool thing about the Suzerain that I love that I can't wait to talk about, which, honestly, in some of the um, uh, ultramarine uh, groups that, that discuss rules, when, when the rules first came out for, for the Suzerain, there are a lot of people that, even in the altering rules, that thought they were kind of broken. That that wasn't correct, and I'll talk about that in the <laughs> in the mm. when we're ready. Okay,
2: so you've got some really decent war gear, haven't you? So the war gear really does represent a much more close assault orientated focus, doesn't it? So it's interesting. So your your of status rules is about a shooting. But your war gear is focused towards assault, so it really shows that balance within the legion, doesn't it?
0: Yes, indeed it does. That's my uh, that's my thought too. Is it, it's everything is is well balanced throughout the army because you're going to have your your regular shooting units that everyone else will have, and you will get bonuses or, or abilities to um, better utilize them uh, as you're as you're playing the game. But then you have the potential for um, uh, really, what I think is maybe, in my personal opinion, the most elite close uh, combat unit in the game.
2: So should we move on to those then? Should we move on to talking about the units because I think it's worth talking about the units first before we talk about rights of war because they often interact, don't they? So
0: yes. So we the alterations have have changed a little. Well, as far as the the main book, well, the the um, We get the Praetorian Breacher Squad, which is a five-man Breacher Squad that has regular bolding shields and and power swords, which last edition you could take power swords for your Breacher Squads, which is a nice touch. But now the the Praetorian uh, Breacher Squad, which makes uh, use of the Forge World Praetorian Ultramarine Bits, essentially is what it is. They just gave them a named the Mace Squad from here, is just kind of like a slightly bumped up Breacher Squad, but they're only five to a squad. Although you can bump it up to ten, but the only thing that really um, changes with them is that they all get Power Swords, which is really decent in Close Combat. I don't know how... I don't know in a practical sense how... Whether you would want to take these over a standard breacher squad. Because the Praetorian for five is 135 points. And the breacher squad for regular um, marines is
2: it's about 145, something like that, isn't it? I think.
0: Yeah, for five extra for five extra people.
2: 155. Oh,
0: 155. Okay.
2: Yeah, 155. So do the um, Praetorians come in boxes as well?
0: They well, they have bolt pistols. So power sword, yeah. bolt pistol, boarding shield, crack and frack grenades, power armor. Um, but they, you know, and they're they're heavy and line.
2: Oh, um, so they, they do, do have... have a line, they do have line trait, which does make a difference with them. So so you could do a really thematic boarding shield force, couldn't you? And yeah. then these guys are acting as the kind of elite breaches which are all supporting closer song. But yeah, I agree with you. I think for basic troops, breaches, I think, may have the edge because they've got the bolters, you get more for the points as well. But those Praetorians are going to hit hard in close combat and they've got resilience because of a five plus invulnerable as well. So yeah. um, And they I mean they have
0: they have Hammer of Wrath, which is great, and they're they have chosen warriors, which is also neat, but it's still I don't know, I'm still I'm I'm not sold on them yet completely. I'm still looking at them. Are they trade choices? Going to do. I'm sorry.
2: Are they troops choices?
0: They're no, they're elites.
2: They're they're elites. Sorry, you didn't mention that actually. Yeah, so yeah. elites with line though is very good. So it does mean you get more scoring units. Yes, but yeah, which is you are, which is always
0: a bonus. Makes sense, yeah. and it kind of makes sense in an Ultramarine way that every everyone is has their eyes on the prize. Yes.
2: Yeah, but you aren't limited, aren't you? So they are.
0: Yeah, well, it's, because,
2: it's an interesting
0: one, isn't it? So yeah, well, and here and here's the thing: is because even though i i like them, I like them as a unit, but they're elites, and so are suzerain. And I really feel that the suzerain are better, even though they're not they're not line, they're not they're not scoring in that capacity. I really think the suzerain are are, are better though, and more and more resilient because they have they have the that newer pattern. Yeah, because they've
2: got the Aegon shield, which gives them a better mm-hmm. save in close combat, and they've got a, a better AP weapon against their opponents. The only thing they don't have, obviously, power so a power swords now have rendered on a six, don't they? So they can also have AP too, and automatically wounds. So it does make them slightly more dangerous against things like automata and dreadnoughts, but I wouldn't rely on that because it's only a six plus. So you're relying on weight of attacks there, aren't you? But yeah, so the fact they compete against Suzerain, it's a tough choice for Torians, isn't it?
0: It really is, yeah.
2: JP, what do you think about them?
1: Generally speaking, uh, Suzerains have always been absolutely fantastic, utterly terrifying, frankly, and one of the better units in the game. I I don't want the changes that that, that were made. They remain a really good unit.
0: Also, I got to shout out just how cool Zach's Suzerain are. So I I have... Yeah, I have Greek Spartan suzerain. So when before the suzerain models came out, when the book when book five first popped up, I uh, I grabbed all the parts, uh, took a whole bunch of high elf spearmen spears uh, from fantasy and slapped them all together. So I had uh, instead of having legatine axes, they have they have the spears, they have round shields, um, and they have the uh, the praetorian helms that that uh forge World put out and that is that is the actual bodyguard squad for whether i take goleman or if i take You're uh, captain america prater. yeah or if i take captain america yeah so whoever, my, whoever cool. my prater is
2: yeah i i think that that looks really aesthetic because everyone always leans into a Roman aspect of the old then they forget about the greek influences in there as well so i think having yeah. Those so we've talked about suzerain quite a lot. Do you want to take us through the rules in this? Con- I- I'm guessing where the broken part is going to be because I've heard rumors about this. So it'd be interesting to hear your perspective. But for, for the sake of the listener, talk us through the suzerain.
0: Okay, so the suzerain are they're forty po- forty points more than than the uh, praetorians. They do get lined. They are heavy. Um, they have the bolt pistol. They have a legatine axe. They have the the, the gearum. Uh, patterned bolt boarding shield. They have crack and frack grenades. They have art- artificer armor, so they're all two-up armor saves. Which is above where the, the Praetorian squad is. Any suzerain can change his bolt pistol, pistol for a plasma pistol. Any suzerain can swap out his legatine axe for a thunder hammer. So if you need a really hard-hitting squad, you can do that as well. But the thing, the unit type that really gets me is the suzerain squad is character. Yeah. Yeah, so they can all that they can all
1: them. take uh, um, uh, challenges. It's no, nasty. The,
2: the, no, the big thing about it is being able to pass wounds
0: on to the
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah, you don't have to take. Yeah, it's the old like knob nah, biker
0: shit. Yeah, it's two wounds, and so instead of just getting, you know, putting it on one guy until until that one is removed, characters can take one and then just pass the next wound to the next guy.
2: And they're the only unit in the game with that trait,
0: aren't they? To
2: my knowledge, yeah. Really? yeah. I thought yeah. I thought just Steran
1: head character. No.
2: no, no. Trust me, if it's just staring Head character, I would be crowing about. It <laughs> so, but yeah. So the fact that these are all characters, this is the part that makes them dangerous. So they're basically wearing in close combat the equivalent of Terminator plate, because yep. they've got two plus save, four plus invulnerable. They've yes. all got an AP two weapon hitting it initiative at their base strength. And they can pass wounds along the entire unit before they lose any models.
0: Weapon skill five, yeah, as well. So they 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 potentially and, can chew through things yeah, very easily, yes.
2: Oh, very easily. Yeah, absolutely. If those guys go in combat, they're going to have an impact on things, aren't they? And the fact you can mix in Thunder Hammers, so you have a brutal weapon going in, and brutal rule is horrific. It makes such a difference to this to close combat. Yes. Yeah they're they're a very powerful unit so how where do you stand on them and they're lying so they're scoring so oh, yeah there's nothing the suzerain don't have is there
0: no in, in fact they also in addition to that if there's an infantry or cavalry unit that is not pinned or falling back the design including models with this rule it gains a plus one modifier to their leadership characteristic to a maximum of nine if they're within six inches of the suzerain
2: so they can really hold the line for other troops can't they so
0: yeah, and they can be and they can be a retinue squad, which is what I alluded to before, as far as you know, being there side by side with my primarch.
2: Yeah, and they can take
0: obviously because they're characters,
2: they can take challenges for your characters as well. So if you got yeah. a, a combat beast, they like someone can stand up to. I wouldn't suggest necessarily standing up to Angron because he likes challenges, but some of the other more combat orientated primarchs, you right. could sacrifice the suitoring, can't you? And yes. Well, they've got 50-50 chance of surviving summer it, with that invulnerable save of four. This is true. Um, yes. yeah, but they're expe- how many models do you get for that 200 odd points? Is it five?
0: Yeah. Five, same as same yeah. as before, but you can bump it up to a 10-man squad.
2: Yeah, but they're worth they're worth the points, aren't they?
0: I have 30 of them, yes. yes. <laughs> so yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that unit's gonna hang around for a
0: while. Indeed. Yeah, I absolutely I love Suzerain in the last edition. Um, and I love them even more. This edition, they're just—they're just so fantastic.
2: Do you know—is there anything in their law that suggests why they have a character tree? Because it, it just yeah. seems an odd rule to drop, or an odd unit type to drop into a a, a multi-model unit.
0: So the all of these guys, Suzerain being being selected as the Suzerain, you are being selected to become like the next um, you, the future chapter master that's essentially it you've been they've been noticed you've been noticed for your your uh, abilities in leadership and so you've been marked out and you've been pulled aside to essentially go through more specialized training for your leadership tendencies and that's what makes up the suzerain they're all, okay. all they're all going they're all characters in that mindset you know of, of going to become um, some type of console or or chapter master later on, yeah. Even fast track so promotion, fitting. yeah,
2: it's fitting, it fits in, isn't it? It does fit in. Well, wow. they're are a real pokey unit, aren't they? So you, you're going to invest in those. It, any ultramarines player is going to take a sizable chunk of those, aren't
0: they? I I would think so, but like I said, there there's there was some uh, reservation with that because of how tough they could be. They there were a lot of ultra range players that weren't sure that they'd want to take them or play them in that, in that capacity. I mean, you could pass the wounds around, but I guess you don't necessarily have to, if you don't want to. Um, But if you want, if you want a a really tough unit to hold the line there, then yeah, that's, that's the way to go.
2: It it once again comes down to that self-regulation we've talked about multiple times before, hasn't it? so yes. you, you you could do that you could pass units road weeds around you don't have to it's an option isn't it it's it's a player decision rule that you correct can and so like
0: i had i had mentioned um i had mentioned previously that i have 30 of them i have 30 of them from first edition i don't necessarily think i will play a an army with 30 of them this time around for that because that that might just be a little little bit uh unsportsmanlike
2: <laughs> yes but it, that's also good that what you're saying that the old means community is looking at it themselves and the, the majority of people seem to be saying yeah maybe not maybe yeah. we won't do that so that that's good that, that we on the tracer side applaud you for your if you're honoring <laughs> honoring courage yeah
0: but also the the other thing is um they're not listed as a a loyalist unit so that that trader that can suddenly become uh Toughness ten can also have a squad of these around them. We understand, <laughs> or, Alpha, or Alpha
2: Legion can hoover them up as part of their, um, cause. For oh them, yeah, so yeah, they can hold like that, that. They go up there with a list along with fire drakes, don't they? Yes. <laughs> so are those the only two special units you have in the main
0: book? Those are the only two that are in the main book. There's there's more that are in the um. There's the the ones that they brought back um the legacy units in the in the legacy pdf but that's okay. these are the only those are the only two units in the main book
2: okay do you want to talk about those legacy units or do you just want to stick with the lever
0: bits well we can discuss them um because it's yeah. again it, it there's a lot everything is for the ultramarines they're all um they're all elite units so we have we have the name dreadnought telemacris which i had made one out of the um uh out of the uh, minotaur's special character Contemptor dreadnought
2: is that the one that falls from a transport ship in no no fear
0: i believe that is him yeah well
2: yeah yeah i think so good call
0: but um you think he's, he's yeah he's really cool um he has he's 240 points he's got a assault cannon on one arm gravis power fist with a combi bolter in the other he's He's loyalist and he hates everything. So,
2: well, to be honest, if you've fallen out of the transport ship and <laughs> landed on a planet, so you'd probably hate everything as well. Which mad, fair. yeah, yeah.
0: So, but yeah, it's it's kind of nice having him still, even though he's over in, in Legacy. It's uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, how good dreadnoughts are right now, and I think I'm gonna still field him along with my stuff because I did before because I liked having. The name dreadnought um and then the second one we have is the fulmin terrace uh terminator squad oh jp which... loves these do you they're, know
1: they're a ripoff they're just they just stole our idea we had a we we had a great idea we made it for sticking missiles on a terminator and then the ultra were like ah like we're gonna we're gonna steal this idea
0: well it's... i just want to i just want to i want to clarify it's the go it. boss We improved it.
1: Cyclone missile launcher <laughs> firing Terminators. That's a fact.
0: Well, we don't, we don't have the option for uh, the um, auto cannons though. Anymore. Well, Those I, are gone. Neither do.
1: I mean, Jesus Christ. They, they were always better. The full Terrace were always better than Tyrants.
0: More expensive, but like they were more expensive. That was, that was the big yeah. hindrance. So. They were
1: so good, uh, but I've you know what? Like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, well, you've been around the like the scene a lot. Have you ever e- ever seen anybody use Fulmin Terrace? I've never once
0: seen anybody use Fulminaros. So, I've seen I've seen them in, in play before. Um, I could never do it because my play style is more. Uh, What's the way way I want to put it? Um, it's more space marine horde army. I want as many bodies on the field as I, as possible. Where fomentaris because of how expensive they are, it's like almost three hundred points for five. It, it's that's a huge point sink that I can't, I couldn't at the time uh, justify. Uh, did my, did John did John used to use John his?
1: did. John did John yeah, I mean, did he, I, yeah John Christensen uh shout out to uh another powerful ultra moons player John Christensen definitely had some vomiteris
0: the the painting machine himself yes he's he probably has a he's actually working himself in towards a full legion uh by himself yes <laughs> do, you <laughs> do you remember just,
1: like ba- like back like uh in in the 90s um in White Dwarf uh one time they actually um they, they painted the whole Ultramarines chapter yes you know and yes. it was and they even like cast that that's when they casted those um uh the the, the pewter uh thunderhawks uh, mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure john has like twice that
0: oh easily I, i'm pretty sure because he also has bikes and uh land speeders and everything he john does everything in bulk and he batch paints or batch paints everything like that so um you know quick quick little plug to the heresy accountability buddies uh podcast that i'm a part of if you follow any of the stuff that he does any the pictures that he he posts it it is it's just trays and trays of marines that he's constantly working on
1: also the heresy accountability uh, accountability podcast comes out regularly so Good on you guys.
0: Yes. I, I, we, we didn't plug to... that at the
1: beginning of the show. We should have plugged it.
0: Uh, yeah. So, all right. The important, <laughs> <that> is, the <laughs> yes, important thing is that it's plugged. Yes. Yeah, I, I feel bad because I've because of personal issues, I've been off for like uh, a month. Not, I haven't been suspended from it or anything, but like I've I've been personally, I've had other things to do and I couldn't make it for did you, for did the you get uh, fired. I got fired. What did you say? <laughs> the hell did you say? <laughs> I've been suspended. I've been kicked off. But. uh Yeah, so John is constantly working on things, and like if you if you ever feel like you don't get stuff done, painted, you will definitely feel more like that. You look at do not pay attention to anything John puts out. Well, it's like Darren. Darren's the same.
1: Like it's it's I don't understand where you find, and I know how how many hours of the day Darren has to spend actually teaching, and for some reason he's still fucking crushing it, and making everybody feel bad.
0: Yeah. And, sleep. <laughs> and sleep. 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 Sleep is for a week. <laughs> That's it. Uh, you've been, you've been no, going on massive amounts of caffeine for years, and if you yeah. ever stop, the, uh, Ca- the accumulated effects and- will kill, you. <laughs> <laughs> Hangover
2: yeah. will kill Caffe- you. Caffeine and rage. Caffeine and rage <laughs> is, is all that gets you through
0: life. Fulmateras, so, so, yeah. uh, <laughs> Full- Terminators with missile backpacks. That's that's they get splinter and they get hellfire plasma missiles. So it's nice
2: that they don't have exactly the same as the siege times now, because no, previously they were just a carbon copy, weren't they?
0: Gobots. Mm, yeah, kind of, kind of. They, it's there are special rules depending on how many models you had on the on the table. So you got lots of things if if you had, uh, I think it was seven or above, it was reduced down. To most of the things that, if I remember right, they had three different levels to their special rules. If you had seven or more models, you had all three things. If you had five, you only had two of them, and then if you got down to I think three models, you only had one option for them. So, the more models you lost, the more the worse they kind of got as far as their their rules go. Um, That all that is gone now. So that's okay. that's nice. So what but, do the uh, new missiles do? What was the war gear do now? So you have your your splinter missiles are heavy for 36 inch range, strength five, AP5, five, heavy four, breaching six, and pinning, which is nice. Because don't don't and I may be incorrect on this, don't uh, iron warriors have splinter rounds now? Shrapnel rounds, yeah. Shrapnel. Shrapnel we rounds, sure do. Not-
2: which has got pinning so pinning is a big thing pin pinning is a big thing in this new edition isn't it you want weapons which have got pinning and having those type of combinations strength 5 ap5 well you know strength 5 is good you win the marines in three um and the fact you've got rending on there as well
0: yeah breaching six up yeah, yeah
2: yeah well breaching yeah breaching six plus so you know you you can intimidate other units by the sheer amount of
0: you, you can, to them. yeah, but if you also want to just straight out kill things, you have a 24 inch range, strength eight, AP two, heavy one, brutal two, plasma missile, the Hellfire. Wow.
2: Okay, okay. that that's quite pokey. Um,
0: so they also get uh, the uh, Paratark Targeter, uh, which. The unit includes at least one model with the Paradox targeter, may activate at the start of any of the turns before any models are moved. Um, so you cannot move, you gain guided fire and night vision, uh, special rules until the end of, until the start of your, your next turn.
2: Okay. So they have made them very, very different to the siege haven't they? which yeah. is good. And going back to those plasma missiles, they're very short ranged, are not they? So you have to put them danger close to the enemy. Um, yeah, you can't you can't do what the iron havocs can do or the siege Lawrence can do, which is just sit more on the back of 48 inches and just rain fire down on people. So in some ways that's a good balancer, but it, it's a potent weapon outload they've got.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really, it really is. Uh really nice. So anything that if they get yeah, if anything gets close to them, you're 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 really gonna hit them hard, um, which is nice. So. so JP,
2: how do you feel about them?
0: Go bots. That's
1: my opinion. My 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 opinion is that uh stop 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 stealing our shit. We don't have a lot. We don't have a lot.
0: Yeah, so they have they have the target. The, The other thing about the that targeter is you cannot make any reactions other than interceptor and overwatch. But really at 24 inches having overwatch is ideal for that, those missiles.
2: Yeah, suddenly you're hitting on full ballistic skill now with Overwatch, right? <laughs> so no one's going to charge that unit unless you've used up all your reactions in that phase.
0: That, that would be a poor choice, yes. Um, other than that, they're, they're relentless, they're inexorable, uh, they have firing protocols too, and they're typical Terminators, they have combi-bolter and power weapon in addition to all that, so...
2: Okay. So it's interesting they've got power weapons because the siege turrets has got the power fists. So that's a difference for them. So are they in cataphracty?
0: I believe so. Yes. Yeah. They are legion cataphracty.
2: Yeah. So So I
0: I know I was originally, when I was originally going to make mine, uh, I bought a whole bunch of uh, Tartaros armor because I like the look of it better. It's more, I I really love Mark IV armor. So that just kind of, it felt my, filled my aesthetic. Pulmonaries didn't quite do it, but that's fine. They're they're really awesome. They're expensive. A lot of people are uh, jumping onto them because the those missiles and their abilities yeah. just make it worth the points now.
2: Absolutely, yeah. So not only do you have the best close combat unit in the game, arguably, you've also got one of the more potent Terminator shooting units in the game as well. Yeah, and if a unit. Yeah. If they're within six inches of, like, as tactical support squad, for instance, you could, and they both shoot at the same target, you could get plus one to hit on those things.
0: That's true. Yes, indeed. Wow. So, but the but again, that goes back to the Fullman Taurus or elites choice, the Suzerain are elites choice, the Praetorian Breacher Squad are also elites choice. So. And, so, and Telemacris is an elites choice so it gets it's pretty yeah. uh pretty tough to and then you've got the standard elite
2: choices of standard terminators veterans standard contenders so the elite slot is very competitive isn't it in an ultra army
0: correct yes it is so the the only other thing left is the lokitaris storm squad which um is kind of like even though the blood angels didn't come out at this point. Uh, it felt very much like this was, you know, this was copied from, from their uh, what they were going to be. Um, so it's, you have the, it's a five man squad. So it's, it's a, it's a, um, uh, fast attack it's an assault squad it's essentially it's just what it is um, they have bolt pistols they have uh, power sword or Argyne power swords they have jump packs artificer armor um, and then they have the ability to obviously uh, one in every five model or models can get a plasma pistol or Volkite right or hand flamer um, and then the strike leader can can get other cool stuff as well but the uh, arguing power sword is strength strength of user, so strength four, AP three, melee, rending five up, and duelist sedge. And that's, so it's, um, a,
2: it's a better power sword than average. It's got a better chance of rending, and if you're in a um, challenge, you're h- hitting on a higher initiative. Correct. And they're all in artificial armor.
0: Yeah, uh, and they're in all in artificial armor. Correct.
2: Yeah. Wow. So that they're not a... Uh, Bad assault unit, then, and they're fast attacks, so they go into a slot that isn't widely used. Um, they've all got Warhawk Jump Pack, which means they get Deep Strike, so you can put them as part of the Deep Strike assault, so you're almost guaranteed to get them in as long as they can survive all the interceptor fire and Overwatch. So, which with a two plus arm, say they've got a good chance of doing so. Are they two wings each as well?
0: They are two wounds each. Yeah, just standard, just standard for every Space Marine. But in addition, though, they have the blade of wisdom. So when you're rolling to hit, as part of attack uh, from melee, in, in the, on a successful charge, you add plus one to the result of your roll if the enemy unit targeted by that attack has been the target of a friendly unit composed entirely of models of Ultramarines that in that preceding shooting phase. So. That rule that we went back to, where your buddy can, your buddy unit can shoot, and you'll get a bonus. These guys, if someone had already shot, and it doesn't have to be within six inches, if someone had already shot the unit that they're targeting, that they're coming into assault, they get plus ones on the charge, or plus one on their attacks if someone had shot at that unit before.
2: So you could tag a unit with a vehicle or heavy support, support from quite some range, pin them, potentially. And then charge in and get bonuses to your attacks with this is sort of it really it goes back to what we were saying earlier, doesn't it? The old queens are very much about those interlocking units, interlocked interweaving tactics and units yes. to get maximum strength out of them, aren't they? So it goes back to that planning ahead for what you want to do on the battlefield. They're not bad, are they? So that you, no. you've got a lot of potential strong units. I, I think out of a lot of Legion units and in, in the Legacies documents, the old Queens come out of that quite well, didn't they?
0: They they really did. They're they're a even on on paper. You can just kind of go through the different units and think of the different builds and different ways you want to uh, want to uh, accomplish getting into them. Yes,
2: and once again, it's really game nice. is balanced, isn't it? It's balanced between the shooting and close combat. So Correct. you 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 can really field your ultramarines to play in every phase of the game, can't you?
0: Yes. Yeah, and it's like the if you want to play an all assault, assault army because I have. Uh, I think I've 20, I've built 20 Lokitaris. And if I opt to actually just take an actual all assault army and just start building up assault units, if I'm, if I soften that, that uh, whatever that target is up with, you know, just bolter pistol fire from one of these other assault units, the Lokitaris can then come in for a much easier time carving up whatever there is that they Unit that they've chosen to take out. There's a lot of really cool options. Granted, the the Legion rules are set up where you can take any Legion in any direction that you want to, but the Ultramarines, this edition especially, really has that feel of everything works well together, or or it has the the mechanics to work well together.
2: Yeah, it's probably out of all the legions, it's the most combined arms, isn't it? Is it is? uh, yeah. Things the best way to describe it. So is that all the units?
0: That is all the units until you actually get into uh, actual, like, special characters, but that's characters it that. Yes. So should we move on to rights of war? Because I think that's the next logical thing to talk
2: about, and then we'll finish off with the characters before we move on to Gilliman. So, I'm assuming you've got two rights of war, because most Asians seem to have that? No,
0: we only have the one. Oh! Hey. Really? Okay. We that's have, we have, So... I remember last time. So, are you edition, sure you didn't just
1: steal one of the Iron Warriors' uh, rights of war? Um, Publish, you, double check. You, know,
0: you weren't using it. You weren't using <laughs> it. So, you weren't You're using inspired it. Inspired well. by it. Just inspired <laughs> by your right of war. <laughs> so, no, we just have the Logos Lectora still. That's our that's our only uh, right of war. So that's the uh, the one where you have to take a. Um, an additional compulsory HQ, um, and you have to you must take an additional uh, compulsory uh, troops choice than what standardly or standard required. But each each phase or each uh, uh, turn, you have to choose a command for what you're. But you can do full march, which will give you uh, plus two to your movement. Um, but your ballistic skill or weapon skill are, are down on one or down by one um, you have hold fast which you get bonuses to leadership and you can reroll uh, to hit rolls during the uh, shooting phase but you can't move or run um, Retribution which is more designed for close combat and then regroup which just aids uh, re- rerolling field leadership for falling back in any reserve roles and you can't choose the same one, twice in a row you have to choose one each each turn
2: so once again it's a right to war that rewards pre-planning and thinking carefully about what you're going to do doesn't it so correct um but also it really fits the idea that the old friends and this is something that's come up in the novels isn't it that they do get locked into standard methods of fighting so that they're not as reactive on the battlefield as other legions are for example they, they very much get locked into their methodology of This is how we deal with this situation, and they always approach it in that same way.
0: Correct. Yeah. So you've lost your
2: secret police right of war.
0: I've I've made the statement before where I never felt that that was it. Didn't to me, it didn't feel like a a ultramarines right of war. It felt like a a militia right of war that forced you to take ultramarines.
2: So because it was because it was
0: so limited. And all and all the bonuses it felt from when I when I looked at it, all the bonuses seemed to go towards the uh the um, the units that you're allied to, not necessarily to the ultramarines themselves.
2: It it's similar to the Army of Dark Compliance in that way, wasn't it? It, it was just yeah. dark shadow in many ways. So yeah, but, but the one you've got can work. But then I think the key thing to remember is you don't have to take your Legion specific right do you? You've got no. all these other rights wars which are open to you Correct. and yes. with the flexibility of the ultramarines you can apply those to mostly one you know a lot of legions seem to naturally veer towards certain rights war rather than others so like world eaters want to focus on ones which get getting close for example don't they whereas the ultramarines very much you can decide this is my rights war this is what i want to build my army around this is the theme i want to follow so there's a lot of flexibility, isn't it, which we come keep coming back to. So that sounds a really interesting way. It's it's like we said before about the old means in 30k. They're not what they are in 40k, are they? They're very, very different.
0: Yeah, very much. And I haven't played, I haven't played very much of the current uh, 40k rule set, but even in the past, when you had different options of of uh, different doctrines that were, were going on. They gave different bonuses. It's, it's still kind of a same feeling for the Logos Lectora. Um, I just, I like the, the kind of flexibility of it where you, if you know, you're, got, you're going to, it's the later gate, uh, the later turns of the game. And you know, there's going to be a lot more close combat in that spot. Then you'll want to use your retribution, uh, Tactics for that. Or if you're going to be doing uh your first the first turn, you know you're gonna need full march because you need to get everybody into position to take as much battlefield area as you can. And And also just setting up.
2: I'll I'll kind of alongside that. If you also select night fights in, the penalties to ballistic skill aren't so bad because most people aren't gonna be shooting in that first turn unless they've got certain pieces of war gear. So Yeah. yeah interesting so special characters
0: special characters we the only one that we really get um outside of the Primarch, which i don't view it as the same thing we have uh, remus ventanus commander of the fourth company of the first chapter of the ultramarines legion the savior of kelp that's one of the well, boundaries well, how is he a
1: savior like Cal uh, didn't kelp didn't go well Calf
2: didn't. I think we can argue. I didn't it off.
0: start off well. No, but
2: no, it it was a shit show at the start, but they held it.
0: Calf is still I mean, in Ultramarine control even ten thousand years later. So, and he was the one that he I mean, sure. The last, hmm? I mean, sure. You wouldn't want to go
2: there on a holiday, which it is, really,
1: but- it's a hellhole. One of the, the most haunting books in the in in the whole series is Mark of Kelf. It's terrible. There's literally people suicide bombing themselves in underground arcologies. It's a terrifying... There's no savior of Kalf.
2: Fuck Kalf. Remember (laughs) what we've said before. History is written by the winds.
0: Kalf is still... Even though everyone has to live underground. It's like a hero of
2: Hiroshima.
1: Cool.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Awesome.
1: You fucking did a great job there.
0: I mean, it's... I don't know. It's... it's, I view... I view Calth as Pearl Harbor as far as if we're going to use kind of uh, uh, historical analogs. Yeah. If, if Pearl Harbor had been nuked, it hadn't. Uh,
1: no, frankly, it was but just, everything, it was, everything's, it was a terrifying attack, like sneak attack. Obviously the, the, the half sank unimportant ships
0: completely miss the important part of the fleet. Um, well, in the most of the the fleet, like the carriers and such, were not in Pearl Harbor at the time. But oh yeah, it was total, a lot it of the destroyers and other things that were up. there. Yeah,
1: yeah, these sunk anyway. two battleships. The, the battleships that, they, that the U.S. did need—they were old battleships, and uh, it was it was never bombed again for the rest of the war. Um, frankly, if you were living living in Pearl Harbor, is probably one of the safest places you could be in 1942. So Except for one day, I don't but, accept. Yeah. yeah, there was one shitty day.
0: <laughs> there was one really, really bad day. There's
1: was yeah. a really bad day.
0: Yeah, but I. That's out of that. S- That's out of that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got, I've had the opportunity to go to the Pearl Harbor me- Memorial to see all of. All oh, of the really? History. Apparently, oh, super
1: yeah. rad. Apparently, the, 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 like, uh, don't they have was the USS Iowa or something like that? The uh, the sunk battleship,
0: and you can like walk over it, and it's, it's so shallow yeah, you can see the whole fucking thing. You can see parts of it sticking up, and you can. They actually have buoys in the water to, um, or, or they, have, they have things marking where the, the length of the ship is underneath you. That is but so- you are right above it, but the, the water is still so murky, and you can still see, like, even now, like it, it oil coming up from the different ships that were, that were sunk there really but the other thing is when you're when you're at the actual memorial when they because you have to take a ferry out there um they they ask that you not speak while you're there at all just to keep to maintain the uh solemnity of the of the area if you ever get a chance to go uh, uh, i hear it's it's, it's haunting you know, I, I really hear it very much is yes all right.
1: sorry i am definitely not contributing very much to this episode <laughs>
0: Apart from a well, edit, rage. so contributions come later. Yeah.
2: So you'll get when we talk about the novel, you'll get involved with that. And there we go. Ventanus. What has he got? What tell talk to us about the, the rules of Ventanus, then?
0: The savior oh, okay. well, of Kalth. The savior of Calf. Uh he's obviously he's a unique character like like everyone else. Master of the Legion, independent character. His Adamant will three plus um he's loyalist and he has resolute planning which essentially just says, uh, see, both uh, Ventanus and any units composed entirely of models of ultramarine Ultramarine Special Rule in an army with Ventanus as its warlord automatically pass any leadership tests or morale checks made while they have at least one model within three inches of an objective. In addition, an army whose warlord has this trait may make an additional reaction during the opposing player's movement phase as long as Ventanus has not been removed as a casualty. Which is so if you it's not bad, it, is it? No, if you're if you are there to capture and hold objectives, that's very helpful.
2: And it really pushes him into leading from the front as well, doesn't it, rather than being one yes. of these four characters in the back. Is this the character with a
0: banner? That's he has a well he has the nunzo box, but he's um and a legion standard, yeah.
2: Yeah, so he also counts as line as well, then doesn't he if he's got a Legion standard? So so that put another degree of strength into that rule. So it's not bad, then, but he's certainly a character like we see in No, No Fear, isn't it? Where he's leading for a front. He's shown by example as well. So, yeah, exactly. he's not a bad character, is he? You, you know, he's he's not an outstanding character like certain special characters we see, Um, right. But he's a solid Ultramarines character. He fits with the, the ethos and the feel of the Legion, doesn't he?
0: Right. So there, there are characters like like you alluded to with Sigismund that are designed as close combat beasts or everyone has their specific role. And his role is it's objective based. It's he's there to to play um to play to the objectives, not to to go on his own separate mission. He's just a simple man doing a simple job. He's there to win his to win his uh, to complete his mission. Yeah.
2: Brilliant. Okay, so it's unusual you've only got one special character as well from the old friends.
0: It is. and That's kind of like, well, when... when well, hold um, on. How many
1: the Iron Warriors get? They have one more than the
2: Iron Warriors. Did, do they have any notable people in the Iron Warriors?
1: They have a ton, Darren. <laughs> Why are you being a jerk? You love the Iron Warriors.
2: Well, when we talk about the last one, we, we get to talk about a lot of them there, don't we?
1: Yeah, they didn't even... Uh, did they release rules for the uh, Iron Warrior... Uh, um, a Pravian—that's the only one that actually had a model.
2: Yes, no, I, yeah. I think he's in a legacies document. Right.
1: Could be still
2: because uh, is in there as well. So, so your rule, your own warrior characters' rules do exist. I'm just,
1: surprised they, they never legacies. actually made a model for Keir Valen He's a very popular character.
2: Yeah, he'll come. They'll they'll come. You think? I, I Yeah, I reckon we'll get them in the future. Well, let's talk <laughs> so about we'll the big something.
1: cheese. Let's talk about Mister Mastercrafted Abacus himself. Let's talk about... <laughs> Lord of Excel. Excel. No, the Lord of Excel.
0: Uh, Robout
1: Gulliman. I know that's not how it's pronounced.
0: No, no, no. That's exactly how it's pronounced. If it's Robouté, you have to put an accent on the E. I'm sorry. That's... It's I'm French. That's the way it works. See, I'm still going by the official Graham McNeil uh, pronunciation of... Robert Gullaman. It just sounds like Robert. Just You're knocking yeah, off another other Bungle bon Yeah. That's the way I've always pronounced it. Like, that's, anyways. Yeah. Same. Because that was the thing is before, when, when Heresy was just getting into it, before we had any uh, uh, official pronunciations of things, uh, Graham McNeil was at Adepticon and I actually stopped him and asked him, like, okay, how, since you've been writing so many, uh, books with ultramarines in them how do you pronounce this and that's what he said it's like it's it's to him as an englishman that's uh that's what he how he how he viewed it Graham it is way too to patient with us <laughs> <It does. laughs> yes all anyway, right take, but, us take, take, primark. Primark. take us through your
2: primark robert
0: <laughs> robert gulliman primark of the ultramarines the victorious the master of ultramar ruler of hosts the blade of unity the only thing I'm sad about is he's no longer the avenging son. It's because he, he he avenged. He, the you can't be the,
1: avenging, st- he
0: can still avenge. There's nothing wrong. No, no, he the, 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 the vengeance is done. No, he avenged. he's he's, he's you, once you have once you avenge, you don't stop avenging. No, you stop avenging when, when you've avenged. When once you want once an avenger, always an avenger. I don't know if that's true. Uh, anyway, S- Sire of the Ultramarines. Uh, all models with ultimate special rule of the same armies, uh, gulliman gain plus one to their leadership to a maximum of 10 while he's on the battlefield and is not in reserve or moved as a casualty. In addition to start of the battle, uh, before any models are deployed, um, anyone with gulliman as its warlord may, may select one of the following phases, movement shooting or assault during the duration of the battle. Any, an army with gulliman as its warlord gains an additional reaction in the chosen phase, uh, of the opposing player's turn. So it's, there's a lot, yeah, plus, a lot of different ways of getting, uh, additional, uh, uh reactions. Sorry.
2: There is, there, there is, I was, was going to say, the plus one is not to be sniffed at. No. That, that, that has a huge impact in the version two, but once again, there's that flexibility, isn't there, about being able to tailor your, um, Army to deal with certain phases. So, if you're dealing with a shooting army, you may want to take reactions in a shooting phase so you can return fire or evade. If you're dealing with world eaters, you probably want reactions in the assault phase so you can get more overwatching against a fast moving army. So, let's say you were going to fight against white scars for some reason, or um, well, they could be traitor white scars, or you could be traitor old marines. Um, you probably want the reaction movement so you can counter that fast moving speed of the white scars. So There's a lot of flexibility once again that we've seen with this legion, isn't there?
0: Yes. Yeah. Lots of lots of being able to tailor your play style to best combat whatever army you have across the table from you. But again, you have to kind of plan ahead to as far as what what you're going to need to do.
2: When do you select that? When do you select? Do you select that during deployment?
0: Start before before any deployment. You have to choose. Okay. You okay. have to choose so both, when you know, who you're fighting.
2: You yeah, yeah, when you know who you're fighting, basically. Brilliant. Okay, so what's his stat line like compared to his brothers?
0: Um, I have honestly, I haven't paid attention much to what his what the other primarchs have. Um, he's eight movement, he's weapon skill seven, and he sixes all down the board until leadership of 10.
2: Okay, so middling, outfit, so he's not middling. He, yeah, he's yeah. average apart from weapon skill. He's slightly above with weapon skill with some of them. So, a lot of their weapon skill was normally sixes. Um, apart from obviously the main combat ones that you'd expect, like Synchinus, Horus, etc. Right. So, that's not so he's average, which is what we'd expect from Robert.
0: Gulliman of all trades, master of that. I mean, he masters logistics. That's pretty cool. This is, this Remember, is
1: that's, true. that's, that's where. Him and Prudorabo are the only two Primarchs that really master logistics, that actually understand that logistics matter.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's a shame that, that uh, Prudorabo made the choices he did because he would have been more respected in many cases if he had... St- I, I, I w- often wonder like, what, how Perturabo would have actually turned out had he stayed loyalist. Uh,
1: he would be ashamed of himself for having sided with the wrong
0: emperor. Is, have, have, have you discussed uh, any spoilers for? <laughs> for, for Saturnine, and he,
2: yeah, and he would definitely take it out Saturnine. his legion. He'd definitely Mortis. take it out on his legion. Uh, yeah,
0: That's there'd true. be there'd be
2: heavy decimation. The officer cadre would be wiped out. Why did you not tell me I was doing wrong? I I encircle purges all round.
0: Yeah, you may have you may have you may just replace all of his legionnaires with uh Iron Circle guys. Just he just he becomes mechanicum. Yeah. That's it.
2: That
0: could
2: be quite, that, that sounds like Sounds like an alternate history. Alternate <laughs> <laughs> heresy. <laughs> 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 so what about Gilberman's special rules in war gear? What is what does he get for
0: that? <laughs> well, uh, special rules he hits uh preternatural strategy, which is Nice at the start of your controlling of the controlling player's turn as an active player uh for for Gulliman, including when he's embarked or on a transport, you select one of the following options. So he has four different options that you can can switch between. So the uh, fleet two special rule, counterattack, furious charge, or stubborn. And you're just going to flip between those on your on your turns. Uh, as far as what you want to take precedence. Same thing with the Logos Lectura, where you can take those special rules and pick which one is going to be most advantageous for you during that turn. Gulliman can also add to that.
2: And it's interesting you can do that while embarking on a transport because most characters' special rules stop if they're in a transport. So it's interesting that Gilliman has that specific proviso that, no, this carries on. Even when he's embarked, he, this this is continuing. So that, that's a really nice ability
0: to have. Yeah, it doesn't affect vehicle models, but yeah, if he's in a building or in he's in, otherwise embarked, uh, he can he can still uh, give those commands to the battlefield, which may, it makes sense in actual practical uh, capacity. Um, in addition, he has his calculating swordsmen. Ability, which, uh, when fighting in a challenge, Gulliman may reroll all failed to hit rolls of one on the second and all subsequent rounds of the challenge. This is a lot different from his previous challenge rule from, from uh, uh, version one, where that one, if you remember, the longer he was in uh, close combat with someone, his weapon skill went up as he learned the uh, abilities of, or le- learned the tactics and movements of his uh, opponent.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's more consistent now, isn't it? And with the changes to weapon skill, um, I think increasing weapon skill each term would make a massive difference long-term into a fight. And, you know... Yes, Re-rolling once is always going to be useful. Realistically, this is only ever going to be used against number prime mark, isn't it? Because if he's in a challenge group of a standard character, he's going to smoke he's, that yeah. character in a single turn, isn't he? So
0: right. So and yeah, in that in that situation, which has happened to me, where you you're rolling to hit and you just roll ones and you're like, well, now what do I do? So yeah, same. It's in that situation, it's more useful because of the way close combat and weapon skills work now. It's a lot more usable. Okay,
2: because so what else does... get it... am yeah, um, oh, sorry, sorry.
0: No, that's okay. Uh, he has his Armor of Reason, which is his two-up armor save, four-up invulnerable save, and the first invulnerable save failed by Goleman in each separate phase may be re-rolled, so that's always, that's always fun and handy. That's,
2: always, that's really useful, actually, isn't it? That's, Particularly against something like Brutal.
0: Yeah, that saved me a number of times. Yeah, in in version one because it was the same same rule. Um, and then he has his uh, he has his arbitrator, which is the the eighteen inch uh, assault two gun, strength six AP three rending on five master crafted. So that's very decent as as uh, shooting weapons go.
2: Yeah, I think that's something we've we've found with when we looked at our legions, wasn't it wasn't AP uh, JP that the um the Primark shooting weapons aren't with Dixley power. they're they clearly emphasizing their role in assault as opposed to shooting with them they're, they've got good guns but they're not amazing guns
1: no well that's not what they're for right <laughs> if you have a Primark I mean it's probably not to take out that Lehman Russ
2: well let's say it is Lehman Russ
1: right unless it is Lehman Russ yes <laughs> <laughs> that that's a good point that's a good point
0: yeah it's it's good to to take out one or two. People but the Primarchs are designed to rip through people in close combat.
2: So does he have the two close combat weapons like he did in version one? Is it the hand of dominion and I can't remember what his
0: sword is? Uh, Gla- the Gladius in Candor, yes. Okay. Still has both. You have to choose which of those two weapons you use in any particular assault phase, which is the same as what it what it was before um but in either case you get plus one attack for using two specialist weapons so the gladius is strength plus one so you're at strength seven ap2 uh it's melee it's shred it's murderous strike on a five it's mastercrafted specialist weapon um whereas the handed dominion is strength 10 ap1 uh, melee unwieldy brutal two mastercrafted specialist weapon.
2: so once again it's a weapon for all occasions yeah, you got you've got the choice. And he can switch between each phase as well. Because normally when you get locked into combat, whichever weapon you choose at the start of the combat, you're locked in them for the rest of that assault, aren't you? So he can switch phase to phase. Yes.
0: Yeah. He's like, super flexible. Flexible. Which, each, yes. So depending on what you have and what you're what you run up against, uh it it comes in handy to have different options. So if you if you're coming up against if Goldman's coming against Perrabo, who's using his hand-me-down hammer. Um, hey, speaking of, a uh, person who was he, complaining about he won stealing that things from something He
1: won that he, hammer fair who, who, and square who'd he, who'd he, by being given it. By by,
0: by being given By
1: Horace, it? yes. But, like, he earned it by being the most reliable of a notoriously unreliable bunch. <laughs>
0: they were it's still a hand-me-down from your dead brother so yes um but yeah so in that situation if if perturable is going to be swinging uh ferris's hammer you're you're going to want to use something faster so you can switch to the gladius whereas if you're fighting against angron and he's going to be hitting much sooner than you will then you might as well just hold back and and use the fist for, uh, and just bludgeoning him to death. That's what yeah. you're saying, isn't it?
2: Yeah. So yeah. let let, let, Ang- let Angron attack and when he's calmed down. Then you just punch him in the face.
0: That's it. Yeah. So yeah, you have a they have a slower, stronger weapon for more of a I guess a, a more of a guaranteed chance of wounding somebody, um, or you have a, a faster weapon that is not as strong. So you have you have a, something in place no matter what situation you get into. So how many points is all altogether then? Because that's one of the interesting things we've
2: found about our three Primarks when we've talked about them previously.
0: Oh, Galvin? He's yeah. four, uh, 465.
2: So he's a good price then. So he's, not too bad. More, he's more expensive than Perturabe. Because Petrov is reasonably cheap, really, isn't he? He's about four fifty, isn't he? Cheap. No, he's like
1: uh, he's four twenty-five. I think. Yeah, he's very so cheap.
2: He... And but he's but Gilliman is cheaper than Horus, so well, not Horus ascended. I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going there before ascended. Just baseline Horus before you go to super saying. Um, but yeah, so but Gilliman is a very flexible Primark, and I think. Compared to certainly Horus and Pertorabo, one of Gulliman's big advantages is that he's having a big impact on your army, which yes. is, is something that seems to be lacking from a lot of the Primark rules. Which
1: is something that actually I was really disappointed with as far as Pertorabo's uh, rules, because that used to be one of the things that Pertorabo did really well, is he gave you a bunch of army buffs, and they're all, like, gone. But Gulliman kept his...
0: Well, that was that was always Gulliman's thing, though. So that that was the kind of core to his character of being the teacher leader kind of thing. He wasn't. He would lead from the front, but he also would bolster his army to uh, for greater success. Whereas Perturavo, uh would kill one in ten of his own guys not enough should have been (laughs) should have been more should have been way more (laughs) they they
1: failed him no but uh, uh, can can, can i ask real quick okay this is the really this is the real benchmark this is a really important question that we need to ask how many rounds does he survive against horus ascended is it zero rounds it's probably no, zero, zero rounds would suggest. <laughs> it's probably zero. No, no, no. I <laughs> think you. Would- How many rounds? To- like, the, the, like just theoretically, theoretical, theoretical. Does does Gulliman survive a round against Horus Sened?
0: So Yet. I, I would see. I would assume so. So yeah, help me out, because I don't. I don't have the uh, the trader book. So I don't. Yeah. So I don't actually know what he has. So I have no reason to buy it because I'm. I only play Ultramarines. So, so it, it doesn't do any good for me.
2: Baseline, Horus, they'll be hitting each other in fours because they've got the, oh, let me just double check. Um, I'm pretty sure Horus' is weapon skill seven as well. No, he's based, so he's weapon skill eight base. So Horus will be hitting on threes. That means Gilliman is hitting on five. So that's already at a disadvantage for Gilliman. Um, Horus can choose both his weapons to attack with. So he can split his attacks between the two whereas Gilliman will have to choose. But you'll probably choose the hand of Dominion because you'll be striking after Horus anyway.
0: Yeah.
2: Horus will be hitting you with Vitalon first, so that would soak up your reroll invulnerable because you won't get an mm. AP because they're all AP too. I, I reckon I reckon it would be two or three rounds, but Horus would win out.
1: Oh, wow. That's really optimistic for Goleman.
2: But I don't think Gilliman will be causing many wounds back. Because just being able just that difference in weapon skill is such a large difference now between the two.
0: Yeah, hitting on, hitting on fives after the second turn, re rolling ones. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that, that, that's tough. That's tough. And also because of the Horus's weapons, any, um, any wounds caused by the talent deflagrate, so you then have to force them to make more saves any wounds done by uh, Worldbreaker are brutal. So you're making multiple saves against those to take damage. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I reckon two or three turns just because of the sheer amount of saves that Gilliman's going to be taken on a four plus.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So what if instead of close combat, it was making Excel spreadsheets, who wins and oh, in how many rounds?
2: Gilliman. Oh. Absolutely because Horus has people for that. Right.
0: <laughs> yes probably. <laughs> yes <for> Bravo, yeah.
2: <laughs> so Zach, final words, how would you sum up the Ultramarines Legion in version 2? Uh,
0: they're balanced as all things should be. Um, no, uh, he, they're they're fantastic. I think they're a great all-around uh Force for like really any kind of situation you get into, as so they I, should be. Yeah, uh, there are some legions. Be, yeah. yeah, there are some legions that obviously they're they're the, even though they can build themselves in different ways, uh, they have like one specific version that is obviously the the best and takes most advantage of their rules. Where ultra brains have rules that just say whatever you want to do you have you have the tools to do that thing
1: at the end of the day they're a fascinating legion because uh, they're very unique because all the other legions are offensive forces they are made to crusade they are made to be aggressive they are made to to conquer the ultramarines are the only ones that are builders um them and the, the word bearers they're, they're, they're builders, and that means they're more, I think, more flexible and they have like a lot to them. And, you know, we, you know, we, we bust the Ultramanese ball all the time. But, you know, at the same time, you have to respect what they do.
0: They don't, they leave, even in the lore, they leave the, the worlds behind better than when they got there. You're not going to find that from world leaders. You're just not. <laughs> you're so, not going to find that talking... with, with night lords either but that's that's, a, that's a, even yeah but it's they will almost... they will comply they, they will behind. comply yeah <laughs> but like <laughs> yes. what well,
2: they, that world won't other worlds surrounding that world that was targeted about. night lords will comply yeah.
1: yeah oh no they're not gonna fuck around anymore um uh but i think i think darren uh i think you'd agree that it's a perfect segue into tales of heresy absolutely The vehicle was a monstrous creation of chance. Anything the orcs managed to construct that was more complex than their axes and cleavers seemed to Gulliman to be the result more of happenstance than will. The question of how they managed to construct even a single void worthy craft was still a mystery, one that had consumed the thoughts of more than one Remembrancer. Even at first glance, Gulliman could easily imagine how this creation had come to pass. It looked like two separate vehicles had collided in the late stages of their construction. Its core was bulbous, as if still swelling from the force of the impact. Plates overlapped and folded against each other. The thing had too many wheels. Its shape was a sprawling nightmare. Its axles were bent. Some of the wheels were turned, at odds with the direction of the majority. Limbs projected from the fused chassis. They carried chains, wrecking balls, and six-foot blades. Larger projectile guns than the ones carried by the foot soldiers were mounted on a multitude of skewed turrets. The thing wasn't a tank. It wasn't a transport. The orcs had been building two of their attack trucks, and the collision had, instead of destroying both, created a thing that still functioned. The orcs had built upon their chance machine, adding more and more guns and assault arms, slapping armor plate atop of armor plate. Now it bristled with death and the feral pride of the brutes. It appeared, and all the orcs within sight of the creation shouted in joyous ferocity. It was a mad thing, and its mere existence was the promise of ecstatic battle. It must die, Gullivan thought. It was an engine of orc morale. It had to be removed from the field. The vehicle was 200 yards northeast of his position. It would pass him by unless he caught up to it. The land raider Osiris closed with it, Last cannon and heavy boulders pounding the front armor. Turrets exploded. Flames raced over the hull of the vehicle. It kept going. Gulliman counted at least six turrets still active. Their fire burst against the armor of Osiris. The two vehicles rumbled past each other. The orc machine's huge wrecking ball slammed into the flank of the land raider. The tank's composite held. But one of the huge masses hit the port's sponsor. It crushed the barrels of the last cannons as they fired. The guns exploded, damaging the armor in a way the Orc vehicle could never have managed with its own weaponry. Energy blasted back into the land raider, triggering reserves of energy cells. The flash of the guns became a blinding, uncontrolled discharge. The port flank of Osiris blew out. The wreckage slammed into the Orc machine, collapsing that side of its hull. The vehicle barreled on. It was excess given metallic form. It should never have worked at all, and because it did, it was unstoppable. Behind it came more orc vehicles, belching clouds of black smoke, streams of flame bursting from exhaust pipes and from between the seams of the poorly welded iron plates. The initial bombardment had destroyed many of the machines the orcs were capable of fielding. Some had survived though, and they had gathered behind the largest. They converged on the moon to desirous. Their solid shells slammed into it. Most bounced off the forward armor, but some found a huge rent in the port flank. The land raider was still moving, sluggishly, and fired only from the starboard side. Golliman pounded over the ground towards Cyrus. He ran alone, leaving the indictari behind to continue cutting the path towards the horde. The risk was a strategic one. Theoretical. The greatest blow to Orc morale will be a single warrior destroying the great weapon. Practical. I must be that warrior. All right, welcome to Tales of Heresy. Today's tale of heresy. Uh, we're going to continue our Ultramar discussion by talking about um, the 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 the, the prime mark novel uh, about Gulliman, Lord of Ultramar, by David Enndale. But before we go into it, does anybody have an efficient synopsis that we could throw in there? I mean, I mean, like Gulliman's Primark novel is pretty much an efficient synopsis for the book.
2: You could have everyone played nicely together.
1: Yeah, just. Just get along. Could you just get along?
0: Just get along. That's um, yeah. Do <laughs> you have a better one there? Uh, I mm, no, no. That kind of all that that is kind of the uh, the whole theme of the book of just get along. Uh, just people get along. Stop okay. being a jerk. Just get along. All right. <laughs>
1: so this is the yeah. This is one of the uh, Primark uh, novellas. Um, we've only done one before. We've done the in Russ one. So, again, exciting to discuss this one. So, how? Do, okay, this one... I always thought that the Primarch novels were going to be about how the Primarchs kind of, like, took over their world, but um, I'm pretty sure they're all kind of, like, a little bit later. Like, the uh, Pertorabo one is uh, during the uh, War Against the Hrude. Uh, the Leman Russ one is mainly about his... Um, I guess his his interactions with the First Legion. And this one is about... I guess dealing like Gulliman dealing with the Terrans. Well yeah, it's it... it's
0: partially it's him dealing with the Terrans, but it's also um he's still trying to to yeah unite his his legion philosophies from the pre-Discovery Ultramarines to the post-discovery uh ultramarines, but it's also his feelings on the Describe things that are haunting Wethamry. him. Well, it's that, but it's also the kind of his his feelings on leftover feelings from what happened with Monarchia, because that's kind of clouding his his kind of feelings, and it it informs the rest of uh, the story because he's making his decisions based off of like the lingering doubts and emotions that he has left over from uh, what happened on Monarchia. His guilt it's guilt yes yeah yeah
2: let's, let's call it what it is he's feeling guilty about monarchy yeah. which is interesting because we haven't really come across that in the other novels have we we've always he's referred back to monarchy before i mean no no fear he talks about monarchy quite a bit but he never shows really any guilt or remorse over what he did in the emperor's name so this interesting of a Primarch novella that, that is explored a little bit more yeah
1: just real quick uh for uh, our listeners that maybe don't remember Uh, what happened on Monarchia? Why is Monarchia so important for this legion and also
0: for the word bearers? So, yeah, with Monarchia, what had happened, obviously, the the word bearers had uh, overstepped their worship of the emperor again, uh, to the point where they built an entire city um, or the entire world, really, but the city specifically in worship of the emperor which the emperor found out about grabbed the ultramarines, brought them to the planet said okay evacuate everybody out of the city and then level it and also make the word bearers there and make them have to watch yeah to get it not one
1: stone don't do it upon another and yeah it was a, a monarchia was seen as sort of a testament to the word bearers hubris and this is one of the really cool things that uh, we're going to be bouncing uh, bouncing around in this book i think uh one of the really really cool um really interesting themes in it is Goleman looking like we were the only we were the only legion that could do this if you had sent the 12th, uh they would have had too much fun with it which wasn't the point right, right. this was about chastising this was about like this was about a lesson this wasn't about fun um no. but again the word bearers didn't take it that way nor should they be expected to have taken that way,
0: that way. Yeah, Gulliman definitely feels like he, he feels remorse and guilt that he had to be part of it, but on the other hand, he was going to be the only one really that'd be able to follow through with the with the orders that they were given and it not and then after that, Gulliman would have dropped the, dropped the entire thing, which is what he did, which is why he was such in shock by Kalth. By because he was at Gullman was actually looking forward to working with the Word Bearers to heal that that rift and that shot at the Word Bearers' Our honor because of Monarchia, he was actually looking forward to working with Lorgar and reestablishing those bonds and yeah, he doesn't
1: understand spite he no. does not understand the power of spite yeah
2: well because, he's an optimist isn't he Gilgamesh Is a glass half full person. He always looks at the best things in life. Yes, he plans for worst case scenarios, but he always believes the best in people, which is one of also one of his biggest weaknesses.
0: Yes, yeah in in that in that situation, yeah, he's kind of naive in that he thinks everyone else is going to follow the rules as well, which informs kind of situations what happened with uh, the um, Imperium Secundus. In his situations with uh Sanguineus and the Lion.
1: I almost feel like Gulliman really might have been the person in this whole universe that could have avoided all these horrors if he had just talked to Lorgar like a person, but he mm-hmm. didn't. He burnt down his perfect city and made him kneel before him. If maybe if Gulliman had just you know, like approached it in a in a better way.
0: We would never have had these horrors. Well, I'm not even sure what kind of way that Gulliman could have approached it. Like, it, what's it, wrong with monarchy?
1: Did... It's it, it looked like a nice city. Why did you? I know you had, but the it, orders, wasn't, it wasn't. But you're also your dad's a dick. You don't have
2: to follow the orders.
0: Right, but that's not necessarily what.
2: But well, that's also a reason why gillum and the twelfth, thirteenth, sorry, are asked to do, it, isn't it? Because the Emperor knows they will follow the orders,
0: right? Because the because the entire the entire Imperium is built on the imperial truth of a very secular, follow science, don't you know, go following off into these different uh, religions or uh, uh, feelings of faith. And Lorgar building the city is a direct affront to that and endangers and, and everything from that going forward because the emperor knows about what religion and faith and worship can lead to.
2: So that's a good analysis for background of this novel, or this novella. Yes. Should we move on to the actual novella itself, which is... In essence, a compliance action, isn't it? Well, it starts off as a compliance action, but very quickly becomes something unexpected.
0: Well, it so there, the entire area of uh, the system of Thoa has a lot of uh, orcs in it, and this is the last, um, essentially, the last action of that compliance where on this planet they. They've detected um, human settlement structures. They know it's overrun with orcs, or the ultramarines know it's overrun with orcs. And essentially, they just want to, because of the destruction of Monarchia, Gulliman wants to save this settlement that is is part of mankind's history. Isn't
2: this part of, the, it's, it's part of the, what? the Illinois campaign, isn't it? These orcs are one of the remnants of the
0: uh, they I think they may have mentioned something about that yeah, I believe so. It's like Great Crusade uh, either way. but yeah like uh, Goleman
1: is looking at this human civilization. he's looking at um, uh, all, you know the cities that they built and everything and he's he's saying that I will not you know grind this into the dust the way that I did monarchia and that there's value to culture and this is a, one of the major themes of the book is the value of culture. Um, like what are we, if not our culture? Um, if if not, our history and um, uh, yeah. our, what, our society. What essentially are we yeah, what are we fighting for?
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So he's looking at it and although the humans that had lived on this world have been destroyed and it's been taken over by the greenskins, um, at the same time, there there's something that can be reclaimed from this. There is a culture and a society that can be reclaimed from this. And it's a really Which odd is,
2: world as well, isn't it? Because the yeah. one side is constantly baking in the sun and the other side is always shrouded in night. And there's a very small habitable zone in, in the center, isn't it? Which is where they focus in their efforts on. Correct.
0: In these, in this uh, in this line of mountains that's where where the this uh, settlement is. Yes. So they
1: assault the world. Uh, um, of course, uh, they kill a lot of orcs. Uh, there's a couple of. Sometimes, sometimes you get bored with Baldur porn and you kind of like skim it, and other times, oh, it just makes you so happy, especially when they're like fighting like the that Gargan creature, um, w- which is just like pretty much a bunch of orc tanks, just kind of like <laughs> like one on top of the other kind of shit. It's a big um,
0: Voltron of, of oh, tanks. Yeah, yes. it's a
1: total like orc Voltron kind of thing, um, and <laughs> and so they're fighting orcs. And uh, now there's something that happens with the Nemesis chapter. Um, um, Zach, can you tell us something about the Nemesis
0: chapter? So the twenty second uh, chapter is the is the Nemesis chapter, and they're all one hundred percent Terrans, but they're they've been tasked with using. Uh, all of the the proscribed weaponry of the legions from from the unity war or from the early stages of the crusade so they're entirely made up of devastators rad weapons rad grenades all of those absolutely horrific salt the earth kind of weaponry that's that's their bread and butter
1: yeah the ultrims have barely any um, um... Uh, uh uh destroyers and the uh, the nemesis chapter has two entire companies
0: of um Just uh, destroyers yes yeah and there's and during this uh crusade the chapter master of the nemesis chapter uh was killed and so at the beginning of the story they don't have an actual leader at that point um but the one of the things that they cover is that because Gulliman believes in building civilizations and leaving things better than what they, uh, what they found, the Nemesis chapter and destroyers don't really have a good fit for how he feels a Legion should run because they leave the area's an irradiated wasteland that's unlivable so that they're kind of the opposite of what gullivan needs and that's kind of his his thing of how is he going to work this legion or this these chapters into his greater plan when they their their specialty is just you know nuking everything. So. And there's
2: another tension there as well isn't there because they've always had a terran in command of them as well and there's one particular officer within that company who thinks they're the right choice for stepping up into that command role don't they.
0: Correct. So the yeah they talk about they have like kind of a almost a, a ritual of promotion that they always bring people up from within their their company or within their uh within their chapter and the beginning of this because gulman wants them to be more less insulated from the rest of the the legion he sends an uh ultramarine or, uh, one of the newer uh chapter ma- or newer Did you call him an ultraman- uh, ultramarine <laughs> see because that's it's the ultramar they're ultramarine i like kind
1: of, I, I like it i like it let's keep what I mean,
0: it it makes him a like, he's a he's a kid he might not be from a crag he could be from any wow. of the 500 worlds so he's he's an from ultramar an ultramarine i guess or ultramarine i don't know um regardless he's not from he's not tarant is what it, what it boils down to so he has the the new legion philosophy that he's coming in with that he's going to uh, that he's there to to build uh, or or kind of influence them to to become more like the the rest of the legion, um, and that causes some underlying stress and and issues because the that chapter doesn't agree with it because that's not how they do things. They felt that that they're the guy next in line at that point should actually be running running the chapter and that's not what Goleman has in mind. So and I thought this was one of the
2: more interesting bits of the novel actually because we're so used to other novels that old Marines always accept the chain of command. Whoever's in charge they follow them regardless. And I thought having this kind of tension between the for um, command ranks within this, cha- within this chapter, put a very, very interesting slant on the Ultramarines, and made you realise actually there are those ambitions within that Legion. There are those tensions that do stress some things. We see what the huge negative impact this has later on,
0: don't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And even in the not even necessarily in the just the Ultramarines, but if you read in the other heresy books generally all of the legionnaires are kind of on the same page, like whatever, whatever the primarch says that's what they're going to do. And their commanders are going to do the exact same thing and all down the line. It's interesting that it's the ultramarine book that kind of actually puts a little bit of a question mark on that uh, feeling.
2: Especially as this doesn't seem to be one of the earliest actions that Gilliman is in charge of either. Well, we've we've seen it in, like, for example, the Salamander's novel, where the Terrans are a little bit unsure about what Vulcan is doing as the new Prime Market in the first compliance action. We we see it in to some degree with the um Crimson King story, with with um, Magnus. But you get the feeling from this one that that Gilliman's been in charge of a legion for quite some time at this point. So the fact that there is still these tensions there, like you say, it's interesting. We see that in the old Prince book and not so much in some of the others.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they don't, I don't think they say exactly what, uh, what time period this is. This is after Monarchia, which we know is uh, some, what, 50 years before the actual heresy really yeah. takes hold. Um so it's interesting that, that that this is happening, but I think that because they allude to the the legion is still at this point, even though Gulliman has been uh, leading and and um, adjusting and, and re-teaching his legion to to match his philosophies as for war, that still some of these people or some of these chapters like the nemesis chapter have been kind of out. In the wilderness by themselves for quite some time and now they're only finally getting into uh working with the greater uh legion portions and there's still maybe other portions of the legion which may be terran or otherwise that are still out in the universe uh doing their part of the, the great crusade so
2: to get to kind of push the story on so now we've kind of put that second storyline in because we, we, effectively this book narrows down to those two storylines doesn't we? we've got Gilliman's compliance or merging the orcs on this planet and we have this tension within the 22nd chapter um so the initial compliance goes well quite well didn't they, they push the orcs out they occupy the area things are going to plan but it's a scout squad that comes across uh, across an interesting area isn't it yeah, like yeah, a bunch of
0: pyramids a, eh yeah a number of number of pyramids and a lot of um they're detecting a lot of radiation below uh yeah below the facility or below the the now, settlement
2: well i don't know about you two guys but when they said pyramids and high radiation what were you expecting
1: i was i was expecting necrons like yeah. when I got to that part of the book, I was just expect- yeah. oh, they just stumbled on a tomb world,
2: but that was not the case. Yeah, no, I was expecting them to go into these pyramids and come across all these metallic warriors, and nothing to happen with them. Yeah, but for them to just come across these, or what we would know as Necron, so it was a it did a really good job of playing with your expectations and then turning it on your head.
1: Yeah, and what you get from it is 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 actually, it, it's 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 a, it's a more like, thoughtful and sorrowful story that I thought we were getting as we were going through the book, right? Dude, do we want to talk about what happened in the civilization? Because <laughs> there's a lot of like fighting orcs, and they go in there, and then the orcs counterattack, and there's like lots of you know fighting orcs and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, this is really like a tragic story.
2: It is because Gillen was going here with a sole idea of preserving this culture, isn't mean, he? His his intention is to reclaim this world from Yorks and then reopen it up to human colonization again. So he, it's as Zach was mentioned earlier, it's about restoring civilization, restoring the glory of mankind. Yeah,
1: there was like it was just a nuke this world, So like, we can't nuke it. There's there's value here, what is there?
2: Yeah, it, it's we we should take off from sight and nuke it. Option. Yeah. It's the only way to be which, sure. Yeah, it always is. The Chaps will be there straight away. Going, come on, we can do it. We've got cyclonic. In fact, they do mention cyclonic torpedoes at one point without yeah. the lion present, which is always a nice surprise.
1: <laughs> well, you know, if the lion was there, it would have been a cyclonic torpedo in oh, two yeah. seconds. He no, loves yeah.
2: he loves nuking. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't. He, he wouldn't have even sent down any astases. sure. Else, it? It's
1: like trope- sometimes it. you have to fucking look at the dark angels and and, and imagine them look in the mirror
2: and say, are we the baddies? Like, yes. And the goodies. <laughs> <laughs> They're a unique force all of their own. But yes. But it's inside appearance, pyramids, isn't it? And he purposely places the 22nd, or because the entire chapter for 22nd doesn't come down on mass, do they? They only bring down certain companies. The, the yes. mass of the 22nd remain in orbit because Gilliam says, no, you're not going. You're staying behind. You're just, like you're saying, you're the dirty, corrupt ones. You don't. We don't need your weaponry on this pure world, despite the high levels of background radiation. Ignore it.
0: Right.
2: But he places the other companies of the 22nd in effectively a position of honour, doesn't he? He places them in the area where they know they're going to engage with any orc reinforcements. So he's kind of proving to them or saying to them, I trust you, I know what you're doing, and I know you will follow your new commander's Orders exactly,
0: yes. Even to the point where later on they bring the rest of the the uh, the twenty second down, and as they're fighting, they're not using any of their their they're only using like half the weapons. They're, they're bringing all their equipment, but they're not using anything that is rad related. So they're they're kind of fighting with one arm tied behind their back.
2: Yeah, and Goldman actually notices he- it. Yeah. Yeah, and there is a reason why they come down later as well, isn't there? which we'll come back to. So they found out through all these pyramids, don't they? And as they first enter, they realised there's lots of, like, carvings all inside. And there's something odd about the carvings, isn't there? And I thought they did a really good job in this story of not telling us the whole story straight away. There was a, this element of piecing things together. I don't know about you two, I found, as... JP referred to it, the bolt upon sections were actually the least interesting because it was just constant, the normal fighting against orcs. It's those wave techniques that are coming in, the orcs all over the place and they started to put up that strong resistance. That got quite boring in places, in in my opinion. I don't know how you two felt about it. But the bits when they're investigating the pyramids and they're piecing together the different elements of the remains of the artwork and the images they find inside, that to me was the most more intriguing part.
1: Oh, like I, cu- I couldn't agree more. Uh, it really, as you start like developing the storyline, I start kind of like uh, looking into what happened to the civilization. Um, and I love going from this assumption that this is, this is a civilization that deserves to be like remembered to a little bit later when you realize ah, not so much. Um, it, and this really felt really Star Trek. This this is the kind of shit that Star Trek used to do in the sixties, right? Um, as as it used like a, a, a it's almost, it, it really
2: does feel like a parable. Because, and let's just clarify now this for a listen Because what they discover is these pyramids were not, um, living areas, were they? They were weapon storage pods. They effectively yes. they were weapon silos, and not just any weaponry. Because what happens at some point is the Orcs break open the 22nd, company, or the 22nd chapter, they break the line, don't they? Partly yeah. down to a few mistakes from the 22nd who aren't following the orders of their new captain and actually use two powerful weapons. They fire missiles into the ceiling, don't they, by accident, and it cracks the ceiling open. And because of that, they're forced underground. So you, yeah. you then effectively get into a zone mortalis situation, and Orcs are never great. or well, Orcs are slightly always more terrified than a zone mortalis, aren't they? what they discover are piles and piles of nukes isn't it effectively
0: it's it's nukes they're phosphex. it's like every bad weapon that ironically the 22nd uh is is equipped to deal with and use that's what they found yeah and what's
2: interesting parallel to that is because of the, the 22nd are out of Vox range because they've been buried is Gilliman suddenly realized by piecing together all the images that this human civilization effectively destroyed themselves didn't they? Yes. That there was yeah. some sort of war or civil war on the planet and these pyramids were left over as the stockpiles of weapons of one side.
1: It, it would be like if aliens came down uh, in like 1955, and discovered Soviet or U.S. missile silos, and figured that this was the whole civilization. And maybe it was. If, if you come down in 1955, maybe that that is the whole civilization. It's it's terrifying. This is a civilization that destroy that 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 destroyed itself again. This feels like a Star Trek episode. Uh, just, do you understand what I mean?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's the classic. Um, 60s, early 70s Star Trek of look of the errors of what we're doing to our own world, isn't it? It's it's that whole moral story. Yeah,
1: you, you, there's something to be learned. There's there's no point in having these weapons around. Here's what happens when you you just have nukes around all the time with a bunch of very fallible people. It, it, I, so I, I
2: really like that. I think it's a, it, it's a kind of a haunting story. It yeah. is a haunting story. So how does this start to resolve? Well. Gilliman realises that to deal with those massive storage of weapons, he needs to bring in specialists. And as Zach said, the best specialists to bring down are the 22nd, aren't they? Yes. So they do a full drop assault onto a planet, don't they? Which is great. I love this scene because I always love an orbital assault scene. But like you say, they tie one hand behind their back don't they yeah and yeah, you, yeah you, w-
1: you would as a fucking yeah. sons of Horus player you would
2: absolutely but it's the, the descriptions you get some of the drop pods smashing into these massive piles of orcs and scattering the bodies everywhere don't they so i don't think it's brought up enough the horror of the drop pod assault on the target
0: yeah they did a really good job of describing that i agree so how does this then resolve how does this start to fit together in Zach. So Goldman has them has them uh, the twenty second come down, um, and he's noticing that they're that they're uh, not fighting to their full capacity because they're trying not to to use these or use those weapons. Um, and Goldman actually kind of has a, a epiphany that you know that the twenty second even for they don't follow the all the tenets that he wants them to. As a full legion, that you know, he comes to the epiphany that they're his sons too. They're they're a necessary part of it, of the legion and of his tactics. It's ugly and he doesn't care for it, but it's still, you know, they're still there.
2: And I think it also partly the case that he recognizes that even though he doesn't like those tactics, there are civilizations, races, and other forces out there who will use those. So he needs that counter. He needs those specialists to be able to deal with that.
1: Correct? I wonder if this informs his future opinion on esoterists, uh, right? Because uh, when they discover the warp, right, because their father lied to them, um, uh, the 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 the, the are one of the legions that um, really like the the recreate their Librarius and they start studying the warp because for them it's another weapon. I'm wondering if this is a part of that storyline.
0: That's actually a good a good point because they do have that that point in No No Fear where he realizes that with all the demons and the psychers being used by the word bearers, that he ha- he's been hamstringing himself because he's not letting his librarians use their abilities. And he has to give that order, like, okay, we need to, you know. We need to break out the libraries again. We need to combat them, kind of on their own terms. But yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. That that he, it's that progression. Like he learned that he was going to have to use the twenty second and rad weapons in certain situations, and later on down the line, he has to come to that same conclusion of like, yeah, we've we we need to use these things because that's our enemies are going to use them against us and if we don't have uh, uh, an ability to match that or deal with that we're we're going to make everything a lot harder on ourselves.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I, it, you can see that progression of thinking he's given always one of those marks that draws upon previous experience doesn't he? And I really agree with what both of you said. I think his experience here with the 22nd leads him much more open to using the Librarians and Esoterists post-CALF. So how does this resolve then? So the 22nd come down, they do locate their captain, don't they? Yes. Because he's been fighting, well, tunnel fighting with orcs, and he's basically only got, well, the way they kind of describe it, he's only got like a a dozen other Astartes left from his original force, hasn't he? And they fight their way through the orcs. They get down to the storage area, and then although we don't, well, there is some fighting around this area, isn't it? There? there is some fighting in the in the silo bay, which is a bit dodgy with bolt rounds going off near atomic and phosphex weapons. I hope they're being careful with their their shooting discipline. Is all I'm going to say about that.
1: Yeah, but I kind of trust the Ultramarines to to do so. Like of can all can the legions, the Ultra and... <laughs> Well, no, I'm just saying that like they're, they're probably they're probably accurate.
2: But what about the orcs?
1: That's that's fair. That's fair. That, that's a fair yeah. that's a fair critique.
2: So I think they more engage in assault, don't they? They they try to take the orcs on hand to hand more. So, but they drive them out, and the implication is that all the orcs are wiped out of this planet, aren't they? Did I read into that the same as you got? Um, did you get me? Did you get me? Yeah. they that they just wiped out. I'm
0: pretty really? sure they killed them all. No,
1: Zach, are you checking?
0: Yeah, I'm just verifying because I'm towards just before the I'm looking just before the epilogue where um,
2: yeah, sure they the
0: yeah, they incinerate all the orcs through the with the Phosphax and everything else. Yeah, you got Phosphax.
1: Yeah. Wait, question. Does phospex, mm. does Phosphax eradicate uh, the orcs uh, a, a spore?
2: Phosphex eradicates everything.
1: Yeah, it melts. It I thought you had to pushes. burn the orcs. Well, phosphex is living fire. Yeah.
2: Phosphex is that's is, true. Is, yeah, yeah, Because it, yeah,
0: it's, it's
2: be, native been... up to
0: eleven, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. It even says uh, the rocket burst in the air above the horde, releasing the green mist of phosphex. It ignited and fell on the orcs. White green flame writhed like a wounded animal. The the orcs shrieked in agony. The horde boiled with panic and sought to flee. The rapid movement attracted the spread spreading it wider and wider. Metal dissolved, flesh burned to bone. The greenskins vanished in a growing conf- conflagration. Yeah, they're all. Yeah, I'm guy. pretty sure the orcs did. Yeah,
2: they're
0: all. Gone. Yeah, yeah.
2: So that's basically, and they do basically at the end once for twenty seconds. And have we asked orcs-
1: what did the orcs do to them? What did what did the orcs? It really
0: sounds like, really, really sounds like the orcs were just like living their life. Yeah, I think they just kind of fell upon the the planet. I don't necessarily think it was.
1: Well, it sounds like the uh, humans killed themselves, and the orcs just kind of showed up. It's just like, well, we yeah. got to burn them.
2: Yeah, because that's the assumption they make, isn't it? The assumption is that the, the old ruins uh, assume the orcs wiped out the human civilization. Guys, yeah, guys, 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 guys. It, guys. it suggests are
1: are, are are the orcs the good guys?
2: They were most no. honest
0: in their intentions. Kinda. The, the orcs are just there. I don't think they're necessarily the good guys. <laughs> anyway, the the destruction of the uh, uh, of the human civilization and all the radiation may have actually just been kind of like a beacon to the orcs, and that's why they came there. But it's hard to—it's unresolved.
1: Stop trying to justify this xenocide. You know, <laughs> they're it, are it dropping phosphates. On living beings.
0: Is is it... They're, they're plant-based. Is it more like... Is it herbicide?
2: Yeah, it's it's weeding,
0: isn't it? It's, yeah, it's pretty much it. It's gardening. Yeah.
2: Jesus got to Gotta to prune things back. <laughs> Listen to yourselves.
0: <laughs> Are we the baddies? <laughs> well, before the Ultramarines even did anything, as soon as they touched ground... And the orcs saw them. The orcs came to uh, to kill the ultramarines. So it was all it was so completely the, in self defense. They were defending themselves so against the plant life.
2: See, so the orcs are an aggressive weed that you need to deal with. That
0: oh, and they're not from there. Like so clover, they're, they're, an evas- they're an invasive species. <laughs> it's like like mint. <laughs> oh, mint everywhere.
1: is the worst.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. I see it now.
1: Yeah. I see. Don't it now.
0: get me on that. My have I have mint in my backyard and it's uh, you can't get rid of mint like it's just it's yeah.
1: it's gonna be there it's gonna be there forever and
0: and the, the is worst, on the onset. and the worst thing is when the mint flowers it doesn't necessarily attract bees it attracts flies yeah <laughs> and it's Fucking right near my back door so it's oh it's annoying it's so annoying look but anyway i've, I've turned around like, on this all right like
1: i'm from buenos Aires, and i say kill them all
0: <laughs> orcs <laughs> the the orcs are an invasive species anyway they need to be they need to be pruned pruned back so yes. 20 seconds
2: secure the atomic and nuclear and phosphex payload don't they uh it does suggest also the legion take them away it? There, there's some implications that they don't leave that they don't just make that storage or those weapons safe they actually remove them from the planet which is Correct. an interesting thing. And then, what do they do to the planet at the end? They okay. just kind of leave it, don't
0: they? Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, because yeah. they just want it to be a, a, a memory. So, so Goldman wanted to to kind of remember the civilization, but after he after he realized that yeah, the civilization... Yeah, when he learned a little bit right, about, about the civilization. It's, <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of hard to honor a civilization that did that. Um, but... It could have been used as kind of like a cautionary tale, but maybe they already thought that government already probably thought they're beyond that because they're, you know, they've taken to the stars and they're uniting everything under the, uh, the imperial truth. So, I don't know. I guess there there are enough, there are enough things as far as like with old night that you don't really need yet another thing saying, hey, humans killed each other again with nuclear weapons.
2: And there's enough star systems that they can just not announce this one because so they don't even give it a compliance name, do they? Because like normally when an expeditionary fleet turns up, they give it a compliance number like sixty-three nineteen. They yeah. don't even give it a designation. So the fact that, that suggests that they don't give a designation means they just ignore the planet and move on. This they've, they've it of this invasive species. They've made yep. it safe. Move on. Let's, let's just it. treat it as a dead rock.
0: Yeah. Leave it to see, uh, leave it to history. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think to summarise this, I mean, from my point of view, I think, like we said we're beginning of Tales of Heresy, it gives us a very, very different idea about the ultramarines. There's some interesting tensions that we haven't seen before, but it also sets the groundwork for the Ultramarines in the heresy and how Gilliman is prepared to change his methodology according to the current situation. What about you two?
1: I really love that for the Ultramarines um Monarchia matters uh, Monarchia is so crucial in the story of the heresy as I as we mentioned like it might be the start of the heresy right it, it, it's uh, definitely
0: a catalyst point yes
1: yeah it's catalyst yeah I, I, absolutely Like I, I, as much as Calth was which was the revenge for Monarchia and then you have uh the burning of Colchis which was just revenge for Calf, and you know, this cycle of violence between the means and the Word Bearers. Um, and I I, I really appreciate the story because it shows that the means are dealing with it too. That uh, this was, um, a very consequential act, that it had consequences for both legions involved. Uh, so I really, really like that the legion is dealing with. With with what what was unleashed on Monarchia, um, I thought it was really cool. And uh, just generally speaking, I'm, I I love some good fucking uh, orc porn <laughs> Yeah, you know, d- 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 they have like orc Voltrons in this. Like, how can you not love that?
0: It was good. What about you, Zach? Really
2: as an as old friend player, what did you think of your Primarchs
0: novel? I I liked it. There there was a bit. It was a bit heavy on the quoting of the, the various works of, uh, Gulliman. Um, it, it seemed. That we seemed could have, I, I think we could all through. have
1: appreciate a little bit less theoretical, practical.
0: It, yeah. Yeah. It, it almost became kind of a parody of itself after, after a little while. Um, but it was nice to kind of see his thinking and how the, the, uh, Legion was going. I'm, I'm reluctant in that. And this is just in this book. I'm it's all of the heresy books. I don't necessarily like having the uh, all of the motivations and thoughts of the primarchs out in the open. I don't like them being like main characters like that. I like kind of like them being in the uh, background where you have a different person that is your, your viewpoint character. Um. Because the the primarchs are supposed to be kind of otherworldly and not quite human in the way they think, um. And although I I liked the character they have for them, I'm so, I'm kind of on the fence as far as whether I'd like that concept or not because it, it takes away a, a little bit of the mystery of them. But I don't know. It's All in all, I I really enjoyed the book. Um, Again, there were some parts that were kind of dry. Good portions of the uh, assault and fighting with the orcs felt very, um, very epic in scale. Um, Very uh, ride of the Rohirrim in in some port, in some portions. And I don't know. It, it was a it was a good book. I have no real real complaints other than there were some parts that were a little dry. And the most
1: important thing, everybody remember: nuclear war, bad. Thank you, da- the- David Anandale.
0: <laughs> um, David Anandale is actually a pretty cool guy. Got to. Meet I him. fucking my, I, my I, know, I, I, lo- is, I love his work. Um, and again, my copy I, of the the book is autographed by him. So.
2: So. That's the end of Tales of Heresy for this episode, isn't it? So we just need to be moving on to the outro. But thank you very much, Zach. It's, it's hey. always good to have a specialist insight into a Legion. Uh And also thanks for sh- staying around for the Tales of Heresy and getting your insights into your Primarchs novel as well.
0: Well, thank you very much for having me. I, I will always be around to talk Ultramarines whenever I'm needed.
1: All right, welcome back to Two Week Hobby Challenge. Once again, let's hope that we all got some stuff. Done. Darren, what did you get done? You were on, uh, you were on vacation, right? So I'm going to see an enormous amount.
2: The, the, it was the last couple of weeks of the holiday. So before I got back into the carnage of New Term, I, I binged things. So I finished, completely finished the first batch of my Demon Project. So that's some flamers, some screamers, and some horrors of Zinch. Um, nice. along with a Herald. So, yeah, it's it's a playable Force now, funnily enough. It, you know, that that's, that actually gives me enough to play a Force. So I'm quite looking forward to when we actually finally get the Demons of Rune Storm PDF, so I can actually start rolling these in. Um, but that wasn't all. That's not all. There's more. Um, I'm working more on my Die Wolf for AT because, oh, we also have the announcements of new AT weapons coming in as well with the... Um, Graviton Weapons for Titans. Oh, yes. I'm going to have to pick up some of those to go onto my warhounds. And, as well as that, I finished building my Iron Circle. You haven't got any Iron Circle, have you?
1: No. uh, But I will definitely be grabbing some now that they can actually just operate as a unit.
2: They are really nice kits. They are really nice kits to put together. And I had a good read of their rules in the new version 2 and yeah, I want to get these on the table. I'm looking forward to these in Zome Mortarless. And then the final thing I was working on, I started building one of the new uh, plastic contemptor kits as well. Wow, that's an amazing kit. That It's so possible There are so many sub-assemblies, but suddenly these bits, they suddenly all come together to create all the resin pieces that we're familiar with. And the posability, you can do so much with it. Oh, I'm, I'm very impressed. I'm more impressed with it Than I thought I would be, to be fair. Um and I'm magnetizing the gun arm as well, because I always have a close combat weapon on my dreads. Um, but I'm magnetizing a a Volkite and a melter because I I need some well, I always need Volkite, because you can't beat Volkite, but I do need some anti-tank in my drop assault army. So multi-melters suits the purpose. So yeah, it's been a busy couple of weeks for me. But good i'm getting there and i've got some games lined up soon as well which i'm especially looking forward to what about yourself oh uh, last thing and, and i'm gonna play there's face, more compl- there is more but it's not what i did it's the amount of money i spent on Bandcamp because of you
1: <laughs> you should be proud though I, you're supporting artists
2: i'm I am supporting independent artists. I, I recognize that, but dear God, the amount of money I dropped, and I could not resist the I Smell Heresy and I'm here to kill you because it's so how, good. How could you? How could you not buy that song?
1: I think I'm just going to plug it in at the end of this episode because just for anybody that didn't listen to the metal special, in it's, case that, in case you didn't think you were going to like it or you don't dig metal or anything like that, uh, we got uh, we got great feedback from it. It was kind of a weird thing that we did, but it worked incredibly well. But I have a feeling a lot of our listeners might have skipped it. I will, I will stick in Stuka. I smell heresy, and I'm here yeah. to kill you at the end of the song. How? Because it's, it's, it's so, good. so good.
2: It's so good. Um, so, your hobby. What have you been up to? Ah, uh,
1: so I've been continuing my project. I've been. Um, it's the beginning of school year, so uh, I've been incredibly, incredibly uh, busy. But I have managed to uh, push forward with. Uh, uh, my latest train piece for my don't look back set which is that horror game about adepticon it's been really fun and a great change of pace i'm still working on heresy stuff but for now um this has been just a wonderful breath of fresh air to do something completely different so i'm just building train, um something that i haven't done in a long time especially considering i don't really have the space to play uh heresy at home but i have plenty of space to play um don't look back which is only like on a three three by three uh board so it can fit on my kitchen table um, so it's been fun to build terrain, which I haven't had a chance to do in a long time. So I've been building a pond for the last probably month. I think I've talked about it in the last episode as well. It's coming along. It's just so, so slow because of the nature of realistic water from Woodland Scenics. That is so bad at doing realistic water. <laughs> like the one thing it's supposed to do well. But it's coming along. I'm hoping to be done in the next uh, in the next couple of days.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you shared a couple of work in progress pictures with us on our group chat, haven't you? It's looking really nice. We are going to have to play that game. I I agree with you. Having these small games that you can play on your kitchen table, it's great. It's one of the reasons I like Aeronautica as well because it's just like it doesn't take that much space and you can have a quick game. It doesn't take long to set up. It doesn't take long to pack down and you're done.
1: Exactly. So again, to end the show, we're going to be playing Stuka. (laughs) I smell heresy and I'm here to kill you. What are we doing in the next episode?
2: Uh, The next episode is going to be another Legion detail episode so another legion um deep dive and this time with keeper of the loyalists because we know we want to get those out of the way and we're going to focus on the raven guard in that episode so we're going from the courage and honor glorious 13th to the sneaky special forces oh absolutely
1: on that note i like that we're uh we're going right to the raven guard considering that you know they're always at the end of any of this series. We should get someone. Uh, we should get someone to do alpha, uh, alpha Legion next as well. You know, let's start with the last ones.
2: Yeah, no, and I appreciate that having a surname which is down <laughs> to the, the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, I, I always appreciate when. No, let's go to the end first. It's like yes, see, our time has come.
1: You see, so I'm yes, like um, uh, since my my last name is, starts with M, so I'm always I was always at the, like the middle. So yeah, even absolutely. when they switched it around, so that anyone that starts whose last name starts Z can actually be first for for, for, for once it doesn't really affect and, me i just kind of follow nice. along
2: yeah and, and it's just like the old ultramarines isn't it just stuck in the middle yeah there we go we will be doing some traitor legions at some point as well we, we've got some bits lined up to talk about traitor legions um, but it's organizing some people involved we are also at some point hopefully going to talk about the mechanicum bits as well but Mechanicum players are a little bit rarer in our gaming groups. So we're having trouble tracking people down from Mechanicum. But there we go. But next episode, Raven God. Black Sands of Hispans 5. Yeah,
1: fan 5. So that was episode 128 of the podcast. As usual, thanks for listening.